coming up next on episode 28 of Pixel Guy Den. What is next for the spectrum? It's racing season! The evil gnome is getting weird. Six good wacky games. Tim could say a lot about a llama. Cody's in television review. Cthulhu hits the C64. Cody screws up a bunch. And the beer flows like water. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to Pixar Gaiden. Featuring Cody, Eric, and Tim Drew. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Nelson and Cody Welcome to yet another episode of Pixel Gaiden. My name is Cody Hoffman. I'm Eric Nelson in the month of lovers. The ooh. The and month of lovers. The month of lovers in Black History. <laughs> I hate. And I'm sure lots of other weird random days. Every day is a a something of the year day. Yep. Donut day or something like that. Yes. Um. Yeah. How how did January go for you? It was okay. I thought uh, we had some strong shows. I was happy about that. You like the shows? I like the shows we did. Um, otherwise, for work, it was a very busy work for me for work. So, not you know, it made money. I made money, so I can't. That's complain. the idea, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> How else do we afford our habit? That's right. Our retro video game habit. How was your January? I had a great January as well. Had a little. Uh, just got back from a take your daughter. Well, not take your daughter. A father daughter dance. That's what they call that thing. At so, school yeah. or work. No, that's a, uh, a local community service district thing. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's cool. That is really cool. I've talked about taking my daughter to like the father-daughter dance at the CSD thing. That's it, yeah, yeah. Oh, was that it? That's it, yeah. Oh, and, and she just never wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, no. yeah, I can't force her. Now, my daughters, I take both of I take one every other year now, so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. It's our special day. Yep. So I got my uh, my father points in for the month, and now I can go ahead and slack off in here with you <laughs> and talk right. video games and uh, retro-inspired video games. Perfect. And that's what we do here on Pixel Guy Den, the number one location. Perfect. Oh, do I have it? Do, what, uh, How about fight? fight? Yeah, that's good. I don't have I don't have perfect <laughs> you don't on have here perfect anymore. anymore. I do have uh, a new one. I don't know where we're gonna use this, but I have this sound. Ready? Yep. So next time you drop a knowledge bomb on me, I can hit that sound effect. <laughs> I'll do that. All right. Well, we jump right into quick questions here on Pixel Guide In. Quick questions. <laughs> Little extra sound sample sure. at the end there. All right. I'm going to start this off. All right. I'm go away. Ask away. Do you still have your sentimental music? Ooh, let me see if I do. Um... Ooh, it's I good. got it. Excellent. I got it. Excellent. It's good. Eric, what do you have to say this February? In your whole history... My whole history. Cody history. Who was your best or favorite player too? Which games did you play with him or her? This is actually quite a romantic little question, isn't it? It could be, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm going to shut this off. Yeah, it's too yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no! My best player too. Uh, so I, you, you did mention this ahead of time, so I thought about it a little bit. Yeah. I can think of two, so I'm going to do sure. a tie. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so when I was younger, my, I used to go to my buddy across the house, uh, across the street, 
and we'd I'd spend the night over there, and then I'd get really nervous because I never spent the night before, yeah. and come back home and go back and forth like five times before I finally actually spent the night. Um, you know, like kids do. How roughly I think. how old were you? Seven. Okay. What games did you play? So he had. You know, an NES, as did I at this point. Okay, cool. Yeah. But he had different games than I did. Yeah. And there's three games I remember very well. Four games. Four games I remember very well. Bubble Bobble. Yes. We played a ton of Bubble oh, Bobble. Oh, that's nice. That's a good one. Uh, we played a ton of Life Force, which I've played with you at your place as well. Yeah. We played... Actually, he played Kid Icarus, which is like a one-player game. I never figured it out, so I watched him sometimes. Yeah. But then the other game we played a lot of, which is funny because it's one of those games that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Was hoops? I don't. I hoops never played on that the one. NES. Yeah. yeah, yeah, killer game of hoops. Some games that are marginally good or marginally bad become better with two player. I think so. Oh yeah, any. Yeah. I think most games are better with two player. Yeah, I think so too. It's become more fun. And then of course you come to my place and we play other games like <laughs> Super C and things like that. So cool him and then in in college i got my when i kind of really had my first retro revival if you will yeah i was really into shmups first yeah and so i started buying all the systems that had shmups on so the dreamcast and i had uh, other you know other systems at the time playstation 2 was big and one of my favorite actually my favorite shmup to this day is um blanking on it right now gradius 5 which is made by treasure yeah which will come to fruition later on in this episode um actually i guess next episode anyways uh and I actually got him to not only sit down and play every night Gradius 5 with me until we beat it, um, using a big projector. He bought a projector, so we actually projected. It was dark in there. He had it on the screen that took the whole wall up. Yeah. Um, but I also made my first MAME cabinet in college, and we had a... Uh, it wasn't a Player 2, per se, but we had a really competitive uh, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man battle on the arcade that was always on yeah and we just hopped over there whenever we could and played a game we tried to outdo each other and and that's legit and yeah, got I, angry I meant like playing with someone else it doesn't have to be a two-player game yeah, so yeah. yeah yeah cool there you go yeah for me i only had one real um thought about it was my friend jesse which i brought up before um who i still keep in touch with jesse's girl Da-na-na-na. exactly he um we played um i'm sure he never gets tired of hearing that <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't know if i've ever talked to him about that anyway we, we would play a lot of games, two-player games, but also um, one-player games on the Commodore 64. That was the system we we played a lot of Atari 5200, and we played a lot of um, Commodore 64. But on the Commodore 64, we would do a game, we would do Gunship, which is the helicopter combat you, yeah, simulator. Yeah, you talked about it a few times, yeah. Which, and we would which put, you can't go back and play anymore. Which can't, no, we cannot. <laughs> but it would have a keyboard overlay, which I miss with games, and one of us would be the co-pilot, so we'd control the the keyboard controls while one of us used the joystick to fly and shoot that's cool but we would call out we'd be like switch to missiles switch to guns <laughs> and we would we would, we would get very immersed in it it was pretty cool i'd love to have like a high eight videotape of that back then yeah or a super <laughs> super eight i guess right super eight yeah um and we but we would do the same thing like you did we but except with the atari 5200 we play a lot of river raid we'd play a there lot of uh pac-man missile command but we would just, you know, hand it back and forth and play that. But that was probably my favorite memories of of yeah, my, two, two players. My stuff. sister should have been my best number two, but she didn't play games with me. Oh. <laughs> she played like Super Mario when we first got the Nintendo, and that was about it. So yeah, cool bummer. So our boy Tim from the UK, okay, which we have to say every time. I don't know why. Um, sent us a question to ask, so I'll ask it for him. But it's for both of us. Okay, do it in a British accent, though, please. Oh no. <laughs> 
Should I just go over the top offensive or am I actually going to try? Listen to this, governor. Hey! <laughs> what is the one... <laughs> it's going to get really bad. What is the one bit of hardware... This is so bad, I can't do it. <laughs> or software you worked hard to obtain, but then when you got it, you were like, meh, why did I bother? So I'll answer this software and hardware. So software, I remember saving my money uh, because of what we just talked about, gunship. I had gunship. I got that for Christmas. And I remember I wanted another helicopter um, simulator, combat simulator. So I wanted this one that was out called Super Huey. And so, like I say, Super saved, Huey. Super Huey. So I saved. Did it also come with the side of Lewis in the news? It did not. Oh, it did okay. not. Um, so I saved, I saved, I saved. We got to, we went to the Roseville auction, grabbed a copy of it, brought it home, and it just wasn't very good. It wasn't. Actually, I think you've told that story on the Have show, I? but yeah, but yeah. that's a perfect. That's the answer. Yeah, that, that's the answer. That's the answer. And then the hardware, that's hard to. It probably would have been when I was a kid. Oh, man, it's just hard to, it's, I, I can't, yeah, maybe I'll just leave it with software. Cause I mean, hardware, there are a lot of disappointments. Ones I, I didn't work hard to get, but like, but I got, and then I was like expecting more from it. And it wasn't as good. It was probably the N64. I mean, I know I'm going to get a lot yeah. of hate for that. Well, you've already mentioned that on the show. But, I, but that or the GameCube, either one of those was like, I, I really looked forward to grabbing one. And then when I got it, I just wasn't really digging the library too much. The GameCube actually was pretty good. It did. and They're it, both actually pretty good. It's just they had a very small number of really good games. Yeah. And I think over time, it was probably, it was probably be the N64, to be honest. Yeah. So... So you answered a software and a hardware. Yep. So for me, I'm, I'm looking around my room and everything, and I was trying to think of this. I can't really find a good hardware one because in my recent years here, I've been buying all this stuff, and if I don't particularly love the hardware or yeah. the games on it or I'm not going to play it, I still enjoy the fact that I own this piece of history, and I still plug it in right. and like experience what it is, and it's still worth it to me. Like, And I feel the same way. Um, I, know, I know what Tim wants me to say in my recently purchased <laughs> Atari Jaguar. Um, because it is, I don't I still think it's a cool piece of hardware. Mm -hmm. Um, I know not a lot of games on there, but there are some good ones. I already played all the way through Doomed and Doom and loved it. Um, I don't have very many other games right now, so I guess at that point it's kind of a bummer. Um, there, if I had to pick a piece of hardware, see when I was a kid, see, I really don't have a good answer. My, my closest one would be when I was a kid, I bought that Sega Master System 2. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah out of a catalog because it was like on sale for 40 bucks and uh there was like nowhere to get games for that thing so that was a disappointment and the games i bought for it were pretty bad so that was a disappointment but it did come with alex kid built in and i love that game i played the heck out of that game yeah and a couple other ones that pro honestly that's probably my biggest hardware disappointment but i still have a love for it and i still own a new one and i still want to get a, a master system 2 again so i can have the system i had when i was a kid but Software, I have a big one. Yeah. This is a, a story. I'll try to make a long <laughs> story short. In high school, um, you know, we had soda machines all over the place. You, you can't find those at high schools anymore because no. they're all like, I don't know, health yeah, water, drink, water, or, or yeah, yeah. nutrient, water or whatever. Something like that, yeah. Um, but we had so soda machines. And so we also had these big plastic bins in front of every classroom that people threw away their their soda bottles. Well, at that same point, Coca-Cola was running a thing for like the whole year where you could take the caps, type in a number online, and it'll give you between 10 cents up to a dollar towards something. Oh, cool. So I was going around to those, and this is nerd Cody here, 
digging out the, all the Coke products, <laughs> saving those caps in my backpack and turning them in for like three months until I got $60 worth of credit. And I turned it in. I was so excited to try Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Got it. Looked cool. Opened it up. It had some feelings in it. Everything was great. Tried to play it like three or four times and just could not click with it at no interest. Oh, wow. I should. Like, it fits everything I want. But I couldn't understand the system because I didn't know D&D, like, what was going on underneath the GUI, basically. Right. And it was this weird thing where you, like, tell the <clears throat> press the space bar to pause the action. Like, tell your characters what to do. Hit, unpause it and let them go at it. And then your, my characters die and it's like, you lost. Do you want to try again? I'm like, what? I, <laughs> right. I could not figure out what you're supposed to do if I was going the wrong... I didn't know. I had no idea. And to this day, I don't know. <laughs> um, but they're really highly regarded games. I'm sure they're great. Yeah. So that would be mine. Okay. Well, yeah, that's too bad. I, I know Baldur's Gate is pretty highly regarded. Um, was that on PS1? There was some... I can't remember if it was Baldur's Gate I played or not, but I, I actually... Uh, I liked it. I just I didn't stick with it for too long. Hmm. But it, it was okay. Yeah, I think it'd be really hard on a on a console because you don't have all the inputs of a keyboard. That's right. But I might be thinking of something else. But cool. Gotcha. Right on. Patrons. Oh, we're we doing have those. Patrons. Yeah. Uh, first of all, we want to make sure you guys know uh, if you want more information about the podcast, pixelguiden.com. You can catch us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. Uh, Eric can be found at the project. That's D U H project. I am at oddball 49. That's O D B A 1149. And our overseas correspondent, Tim Drew, can be found at sanction. That's S A N X I O N. And if you want to support us on Patreon, we really do appreciate that. We, you can find that at patreon.com slash pixel guiden. Um, and <laughs> I think Cody has a interesting way to announce our current patreon supporters well as usual i pulled up the old random adjective generator <laughs> to describe our patrons completely randomly uh but this time we're heading on down to the old racetrack eric Ooh! do you hear those cars rumbling i do Can you hear them i hear them coming <laughs> all right i'm gonna go from the bottom to the top this time to mix it up a little bit Coming down the straightaway, in the number 20, yellow Pennzoil Ford, it's the nutty David Motowilak. Oh, I like that. You got that right. Motowilak. That sounds like it was like it's right. Did I say that correctly? I think so. Coming in second in the blue news, it's the disgusted Graham Axton. Looking classy in the number 99 purple Jaguar XKR, the tasteful Eric Sandgren. Driving the number Driving 14 number white, white Humvee, 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 the militant 10-minute Amiga, Amiga Retrocast, 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 which I can almost I can pronounce. pronounce. Our boy Doug. Our boy Doug. Driving the uh, number 77 VW Bug, the unarmed retro gamer nation. I'm not sure why we had to classify his arsenal, but hey. Straight out of Mario Kart 8, riding a bullet bill, the relieved David Vincent. Driving in the 125cc cart, the billowy Josh Malone. Hitting the hairpin right now in Bigfoot, it's the paltry Daniel James. And right on his heels, Gravedigger, we're talking about the motionless Matthew Ackerman. We're talking about the next car, half AI and half car, it's Kit, the hot Justin Newell. 
Whoa, that sounded weird, but okay. <laughs> That's the adjective, Eric. Don't question the random adjective generator. I'm not saying he's he's not hot. It's just weird for us to say, but okay. <laughs> he's pushing it to 88 miles per hour in his DeLorean, the fanatical Gary Heather. Don't get shell shocked when you get a pizza thrown at your face in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle van. The absent Roy Fielding. Number 16, Number hopping 16, along in the all wood frame Morgan, Morgan, the toothsome Henrik Lowell. I almost screwed that up. Yeah. I almost screwed that one up. Screwed that one up. In his 1993 Ford Taurus, with just a little bit of paint oxidation, the placid Jim Tessier. And last but not least, because he's not even in a car, he's running in his 80s short shorts. It's the impressive Tim Drew. do our patrons here on Pixel Guide In. Uh, also, if you guys have user feedback, we'd love to entertain your user feedback. Send us an email at podcast at pixelguiden.com or on any of those Twitter handles we mentioned earlier. Yes. Eric, I think it's time to open some beer. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So here's the... what? Which beer would you like today? Do you want me to pick one? Uh... There's, well, there's a big one I want to start with, because I've had that for three months waiting for... Uh, we keep getting more and more beer from listeners, and okay. from Tim, and from yourself. So I've been wanting to try this for a while. All right. Why don't you explain what it is while I dig out the bottle opener? How about I open oh, it? Oh, you while, have it. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll do All the right. whole thing. You just sit back and relax, pretty boy. Thank you. Wow. Ah. All right. Here, I'll, I'll pour you a nice little something-something. Thank you. So, the county just west of us here in Sacramento is called Yolo County. Yes. You only live once, County. Hold on, we gotta make sure it's perfectly even. And so this is from Yolo County Brewing Company. Have you been there? I no, I have not. I have, and it's 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 nice to go to. It's low key. It's not a fancy place. It's and what is this one called, Eric? Yolo Brewing Co from Yolo Brewing Company, peanut butter and jelly cream stout. That's right. We're having a sandwich in a bottle. And I'm smelling it right now, and oh my goodness, it smells like peanut butter and jelly. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, sir. All right, let's take a swig of this. Go ahead, you go first. And you've had this before, probably, right? Oh, wow. No, I have not. Damn. To answer your question, you kinda, I have not. Yeah, you can kind of taste the, or smell the... I feel like I'm in elementary school right now. You can smell the peanut butter, but you can s s smell a little fruit. Like it's uh Like, I don't know, jelly? Mm -hmm. per perhaps is what you're tasting? Man. I like it. <laughs> I, I like it, too. I know a lot of my friends don't like sweet beers. I do. Well, I mean... This has a sweetness to it. It has a sweetness to it, but it's not... It's not overwhelming. I wouldn't, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. It's not like it's a porter. Porters are sweet, sweet. Mm. That's good. That's really good. That All is right, what's our, good. What's our rating scale, Eric? Our rating scale is going to be 70-style lunchboxes. 70... <laughs> Could I pick what, what image is on mine? Absolutely. I got a He-Man lunchbox. You pick whatever image you want, I'll pick whatever image uh, I want. Okay. Mine's going to be for my history. How many of them? Uh, just pick your favorite one. It's got to be one. Oh, you mean how, how many? many? Uh, we got to do oh, a rating scale. I got you. Um, it's going to be um, out of, let's do uh, 78, 1978. Seven. Ooh, okay. That, out of 78. That, that year must mean something to you. It means something. <laughs> Go ahead. I have 78. I really like it. 
It's not an everyday beer, but I do really like it. Out of 78 70s uh, lunchbox, He-Man lunchboxes. Nice. I'm going to give it a 64 and one Capri Sun. 64 and one Capri Sun. Yes. All right. I'm going to pick uh, Knight Rider kit. There we go. Lunchbox. Wait. I had one of those for a short time. Who was driving that earlier? Uh, the, uh, no, yeah. Hot Dustin Newell. The, that's, yeah, the hot Dustin the Newell. The hot Dustin Newell. He better pay us for that. <laughs> um, I'm going to get, how many did you give it? 64 and a Capri Sun. 64 is pretty good. It is good. Um, I'm going to give it, um, I actually really like it. I, I'm going to give it a, se- a 70. Wow. I mean, I, I think I could that's drink an, this that's weekly at least. Yeah. At least weekly. That's a good one. That is good. I wasn't expecting a lot. I, I never had a, I think I've had one Yellow County beer before, but the bottle's kind of a boring looking bottle, honestly. Mm-hmm. But the name caught me and I'm like, I have to try this. We've, we've had a Yellow one. I think I brought one in. It was that, like You're a, probably right. I think it was a Porter or something. I don't remember. Gotcha. Let's do some quick errata before we jump back into the news. Um, this is the part of the show where I admit how much I screwed up. <laughs> well, Typically. You can, you can always admit or, or say, what if you find some errata of mine, please tell me. <laughs> no, I think we figured this out, Eric. I unfortunately make fun of you all the time on the, on the podcast, <laughs> but then I catch all my faults in errata, and I never find any faults from you in errata, so I'm sure I, I feel am. like we're even. Um <laughs> So I mentioned in the uh, two, two episodes ago during the intro that I talk about arcade games. Well, I did not that episode. That was for the following episode. Oh, okay. So misled everybody there. Um, we also were talking about uh, Bioshock. Yes, I do remember that. It's both of us. We were calling them big brothers. The the And they weren't. They were big daddies. Yep. Thanks to the I screwed, hot I definitely Dustin screwed Newell, that up too. Yeah. Dash 16. Yeah, they were big daddies. Oh, he brought that one up, He huh? brought that to oh, my attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Dustin's pretty good at calling me out on Twitter, so, which I appreciate. I appreciate it's constructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constructive. Um, I also want to apologize right now. We were doing an episode about games that PETA would not approve of, and I pulled up a video of Earthworm Jim 2 where the uh, scarecrow was throwing puppies out a window and they were splatting. Yeah. And I laughed way too hard, way too inappropriately about that for way too long. And it was really funny because you just sat there in silence kind of going, huh? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm laughing my ass off. It was a off. nervous laugh. Uh, <laughs> uh. It, it wasn't real blood. It was yellow. It doesn't count. Uh, also, when I talked about one of the games, um, I mentioned that in Money Idol Exchanger, you collect five nickels, and it equates to a 50-cent piece. Yeah, that does Awesome it. math, Cody. <laughs> well done. See, I'm already using my bomb sound effect to good use here. Excellent. You know, and then let me, let me take another sip here and see if I can recover. Yeah, I'm chugging mine mm-hmm. for some reason. It's so well, good. So good. It's good. We've got beer in us. We've done our errata. Yep. I think it's time for the news. Uh-oh. Reporting the news! So as our regular listeners know, this isn't actually news, but it's news to us. Yes. Talking points, if you will, about things we recently found out about. Some of it's news. Um, item number one. Have you heard about Cooley Skunk? I have not. So there is a game called Punky Skunk in the, uh, in the Americas, or Cooley Skunk in Europe. Um, it was a PS1 game, but recently they found out that there was a ROM made for the Super Famicom. And so I guess it was that weird era in between, uh, 16-bit and 32-bit where 
they were designing for one system and then everything kind of switched to PlayStation, so they had to drop everything and the game was completely done. Yeah. And it's, but the cool part about it is we've talked about Satellaview before. It's over in Japan. It was a cartridge you put in and you could download games mm-hmm. into your cartridge from a satellite. But I remember that. Japan only. Um, and you can emulate that, by the way. Oh, sweet. <clears throat> which I've done, which is really cool. Um, has this cool overworld where you're like walking around and you can like walk into stores or wa- play other, go to message boards and stuff. Hmm. Um, anyways, they found this game when somebody, I think at a, a retro video game store or something, sold their Satellaview cartridge and they went and saw what's on it and there was a game that no one else has. Ooh. And it was Cooley Skunk. So you can download the full ROM now. It was a demo, but of course somebody already went in there and unlocked the full version of the game. The demo was a full version. It was just keyed out. And uh, there's already a patch so that you can play it in English or many other languages. So so is that it's a PS1 game, right? Nope, this is uh, Super Nintendo. Oh, Super Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So, so we can just go throw them on our drives and play it. Yep. Have you looked at it? Yeah, I saw a little side-by-side video comparison. In fact, this link right here will show you that. Okay, which uh, we'll so put in the show check notes. Our, check our show notes. And uh, it's definitely a similar game, but different enough that I think they're probably two completely different. Kind of like when we played um, uh, the uh, Mickey Mouse game. We played it on the Genesis. We played it on the Master System. Yeah. And they were similar, but different. I think cool. be, it looks something like that. So it actually looks like a pretty solid little platformer. It's a platformer. Okay. Yeah. That's what my next question was going to be. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to check that out. So the next one is, I don't know if you overheard, I thought you would really like this, and you probably heard about it. Um, there's a new Commodore 64 release called The Shadow Over Hawksmill. Oh, I've heard about it. There was a lot of hype about it, and uh, I saw some videos, and it looks pretty cool. I, ha- I haven't had time to download it yet, but have, tell me, it looks like you have some... It's a Cthulhu game, so the, right, I mentioned on the I thought... show that I was super excited about this. It uses the same engine as the award-winning Legend of Legend. Memphis. Legend, Legend of Atlantis? Legend of Atlantis. Right, yes. the Rocky Memphis. I'm thinking Rocky Memphis, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it used the same engine, which is cool. It's kind of a bigger sprite for your character. He can kneel to pick, to, to search areas. Um, the graphics seem very atmospheric as well as the music. Oh, yeah, action adventure. Did you get it yet? So I went back and forth for like two days. I left up my my screen. You had to buy it, <laughs> and I, we'll we'll talk about this a little later and catching up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether or not, because I, I wanted to buy the full box version with a map and with feelies and all this CD and everything. Mm-hmm. The hardest part is just that that how much it costs to ship and all that stuff. So it's going to be like sixty five bucks to get it over here. I noticed that there was a ton of different versions that had uh, little feelies and bonuses and blah blah blah, like four or five different modes you could get, which. It's cool, but yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, I could get a physical version of just the game, but I didn't want that. If I was going to buy it, I wanted the full box copy. Yeah. And they had a disc version and a cartridge, but it was only like four pounds more for the cartridge, so I'm going to do the cartridge. Okay. Because I'll never load the disc using my... I'm not going to pull my 1541 down here. Right. <laughs> you know, and then plug it in and then run that through and hope it loads. And that whole, like a cartridge would be cool, but I wanted the feelies, but it just ended up being too much. So I did buy the digital for... I think 699 right? 699 yep. I think I saw that Because I looked at it today because I, I was hovering over buying it. But then I realized <laughs> I wasn't going to have time for probably a couple weeks. So It's also a pre-order. Is it just a pre-order right now? The physical version. Oh, the sorry. physicals. Yeah. That's right. But the digital... You'd get the digital right away if you pre-ordered the, the physical. Okay. All right. But So I loaded it onto my Commodore, and honestly, uh, I would be playing it right now, except I've been crunching for these last few days for the show yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) cool you got the next one um this is another reason i didn't buy the game okay 
Um, first of all, oh yeah, the Spectrum Next mm-hmm. uh, has games that are ready for pre-order. Yeah, they are physical games. Okay, um, these have been ones that have been in development for a long time. In fact, I think they've been done for a long time, uh, but they're all released right now. We'll get to why in just a second. Uh, the first one is called Baggers in Space, and that is a jetpack style game. It's almost, it's like the jetpack physics, but with multiple screens that you go through. Oh, sweet. Um, and that's made by Jim Bagley, hence Baggers in Space. Yeah. Kind of a funny little play on his name, but... Um, Sounds like something right up my alley. Yeah. There's another, uh, like a shmup called Warhawk, and then I'm trying to remember the other game is called Tivarian, or Tivarian. I could say it in a million different ways. Yeah. Tivarian? Tivarian? Tivarian. Should I keep going? Um, <laughs> keep doing all the different versions. Yeah. Anyways, all these games are physical releases, and they do come on a little SD card, which is what's going to go inside the next when it comes out. Yeah. And they are in packaging and everything, and they're 15 pounds each. So I got all three of them, and they all come from the same place, so that's only eight pounds shipping for all three of them. So I am waiting for those. That is awesome. I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I, I um, I, man, I, I... Now I'm all kicking myself because I didn't pre-order it. <laughs> the next, the next itself. Well, yeah, yeah. let's just get right into that because I was kind of holding off. But yeah, the next are not only shipping, but people are receiving them now. Yeah, I've been sending you every little tw- tweet I see about it. I've been like sending it, forwarding it to you because I'm pretty excited about I, it. I checked my mail today in hopes. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I went to the. I'm like, what, yeah. what are the chances? But yeah. it could be in there. Usually, I, I'm pretty skeptical about like release, but this one I never really lost too much faith in. I figured it was going to ship sometime. I'm pretty confident. I was pretty confident in this one the whole time. Yeah, and and so was I. But it was getting hard to hear people on Twitter and 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 in forums on the internet saying this was never going to happen, or it was going to happen and it wasn't going to be what was promised. And by the, <laughs> we're talking as if everyone knows what we're talking about. The Spectrum Next is yeah a. Uh, a, a vision of if the ZX Spectrum, which is a microcomputer from the UK, was able to go one more variation, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. And they kind of created that and made it physical hardware. So it can play every Spectrum game before it, plus all these things that the original Spectrums can't do. It's almost like a um, almost like a 16-bit Spectrum, if you will. Right. Kind of. Yeah. Without- and it's FP- FPGA-based, so it's very flexible... So what I did notice, though, people are receiving them, and I saw some people talking about it on Twitter, and they were like, oh, that's cool they're shipping. Mine will probably be later, though, because mine is um, the, what do they call it? The one with the Raspberry Pi in it. Oh, yeah, with the accelerator in the it. The accelerated one. Yeah. Well, mine's the accelerated one, too. So I don't know if they're shipping the accelerated ones right now, or if they're just standard units, or what. Yeah, I mean, they, they should, because that's a pretty readily available part, and I know from what I've read that they've been done with that part of it for a long time it's already tested and working i mean it's not like raspberry Pis are hard to get yeah it's a raspberry pi zero and they yeah acquired them a long time like three years ago four years or yeah years ago. um so anyways i'm very excited to receive that yep i am chomping at the bit for that um which kind of brings us to our next one there's another new device coming out which we've talked about it's not coming out until october i believe uh, but another one that I'm very confident will arrive, and that is the Intellivision Amico. Yes. Um, so, Mr. Tommy Tallarico, you've heard us talk about this on the show a bunch, but he's coming out with this new version of the Intellivision, uh, also kind of reimagined and um, 
really cool. You listen to some of our previous episodes where we talk about it, but uh, he went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going to release some pre-orders and we'll see if some people won't jump on this. Um, and it's kind of a, they call it the Founders Edition. Yeah. And it was clever because even though it's in television, it's really kind of a, an encumbrance of all the old systems back then, the Atari, the Intellivision, um, ColecoVision. Yeah. So games from all those machines that, that Tommy and friends grew up with. Um, so the Founders Edition, he released 2,600 pre-orders. Yeah, I thought that was a clever number. <laughs> 2,600? <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful console. This one's got wood grain. Um, it's got, what, what is, what's the highlight color? Kind of gold? Yeah, I mean, it should be very similar to the Intellivision gold. Yeah. Yep. So it's gold. Got wood, wood. I think it looks awesome. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You had to put $100 down. Yeah, it came with a bunch of extras, some feelies, yeah. some manuals. Um, came with $50 gift card so you can get games in the future. Um, all in all, with that, in, with a $50 gift card involved, it was a little bit of a savings. Yeah. But we also get it, a, uh, they said, a few weeks early. A few weeks early. I'm hoping so, that that's... Uh, so yeah. we'll, call, we'll just call that our review copy. Exactly. Um, so you and I both got we both I was hesitant, and then I was like, oh, I got to do it. Just, yeah, whatever. I want to be part of it. We put our $100 down. Got yeah. a pre-order. And the only reason I was hesitant is I do like some of the colors of the other ones. I mean, the wood grain's obviously the best. Yeah, that's the one I want. But I, was like, I, could, <laughs> I was like, I could save some money and get the other one. And so I thought about it, but I was just like, meh. But it's not really saving money because he said it'll be between 249 and 279 Yeah. Um, which, by the way, the whole th- the whole time we've been re- researching these and talking about them, the goal is 150 Okay. So... Yeah, they didn't meet their goal. <laughs> they didn't meet their build goal. Yeah, I, I, I do believe this is going to release. I have no doubts in my mind. I do wonder if it'll be very successful. I'm hoping it will be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much hopeful that it will be. Yeah, it's. It really is going to depend on how they market it. I think it, if they market it for families and for groups of people and multiplayer and stuff, it's going to do well. But He's marketing the heck out of this thing. Yeah. I mean, every day you see he's on a different podcast or mm-hmm. he's got a different article written. He's he's marketing the heck out of it. He's doing that part of it right, which is the part that counts. Yeah. Even if, you know, even if somebody, pardon my French, took a poop in a box and, and he's just selling it, yeah. it'll sell. You know, there's probably good systems out there that don't get marketing yeah. um, that, that die on the vine. And I agree with that. I but uh, like I don't know from what I was reading. Like in, like I don't know. Did you read the book Console Wars? I have not yet. You told me to. It's I have so not. good. It's so good. I mean, that one was a page turner for me. I, I really didn't think it was was. I thought this was going to be kind of boring, but it was it was a, it was very very exciting book to read. But they talked about how if you don't get them in stores, I mean, if you get them in WalMarts, Targets, Kmart's. I mean, Kmart's not around anymore. But I was talking from Console Wars from the book. <laughs> Um, if you get them in, if you get shelf space on those stores, you're going to sell a ton just from people walking yeah. by it going, Oh, look at that. Maybe that's cool. Um, and I know dynamics have changed cause it's more online shopping these days. So maybe if you get them on Amazon and stuff like that, but, um, you got to get them on the shelves where people are going to see them and buy them. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The, um, what was that? The little cube device that you had? The Ouya. The Ouya was yeah. on target shelves. Yeah, that's right. It was. And it, it didn't do great. It didn't do it well. Did all, I mean, it got a good Kickstarter. It was the first successful yeah. video game Kickstarter or whatever. But yep. um, what is cool about this is, according to his Twitter feed, mm-hmm. the 2,600 pre-orders, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is more than Spectrum Next sold in a whole month of Kickstart. Yeah. The Amico pre-orders sold out in six hours. Yeah. 2,600 units in six hours for something that's a bit niche like this, I think, is a good sign. 
Yeah, and that just shows you how well it's being marketed. Yeah. And if they um, can, and if, you know, if they could ramp up their de- the demand for this thing and lower the price based on units sold, you know, then I'll be pissed because I spent more. Well, I, could, I, I understand <laughs> that, but you got to remember like, the, the history of like the Genesis when it was they were just dropping the price, dropping the price, dropping the price to to compete. If they could compete with like a Switch, right? If they can get that price down to one ninety nine for the Switch Lite and get it below that mm-hmm. or around that, they they might be able to compete. I don't know. Yep, I'm excited. I mean, they're not going to beat Nintendo, but I no, mean, they're not. They're not going. But well, you know what I mean. They're, that'd be their closest major competitor, but they're not. That's not what they're going for. Right. They're kind of creating their own market. Yep. So my next um, item here is something I just found interesting because I'm a co- great collector of Commodore sixty four peripherals. I mean, I have 10,000 ways to, to mount D64 images. That is images. the coolest statement I've exactly. ever heard, Eric. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a nerd. This is right. Yell, nerd alert! <laughs> you but, never respond to that. I do. It, I notice when I listen to the show, <laughs> usually I yell it really loud and hit it, and then there's dead silence afterwards. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Just <laughs> push your glasses up Point Dexter and, and, and enjoy it. If you if you could go to messiah.com yeah. without the it's m s s i a h I found this one particularly interesting because I know that yep if you go there so I own the messiah cartridge which is um the thing on the left here mm-hmm. that is a really cool um way you can plug a midi keyboard into your Commodore 64 but it also on that cartridge is a a, a sequencer kind of like Cakewalk, and it's like Cakewalk. Instead of a tracker that's mm-hmm. kind of hard to program for music, the Messiah cartridge makes it look like Cubase or, or Cakewalk, where you can yep. just literally drag and drop notes into a thing and play sounds. And I've had that thing for 12 years. It's, it's awesome. You mentioned it, yeah. But their new product is this thing on the, on the right called the Savior. Which has dropped 10 pounds, apparently. Yep, and it is a, as you can see, it's a 1541 emulator. You can load and save on memory sticks, but that plugs into your joystick port. There's never been one of these kind of devices that plugs into your joystick port. Hmm. And it has a pass-through, so you're not losing your joystick port. Okay. But that little thing on top is the serial cable. You plug that in, and it goes into the back of the thing, and it emulates a, a 1541 drive. And you can see it supports 1351 Amiga, so you can plug your Amiga mouse into your Commodore 64. Oh. So you could do stuff like, you know, That G- would be GOS. cool right there, because I don't have a Commodore mouse, and I've been wanting to play a few games, including the um, Portal game. Yeah, the Portal game would be game much was better like, with a mouse. Yeah, yeah, that, that was pretty pretty hot. But also games like Arkanoid and some of the other there ones are a lot of fun with the mouse. Um, it's interesting just because I've never seen this. I never seen anything plug in the joystick port, and that I think the joystick port really just powers it. I want to say, but I don't know. It's kind of a mystery. This popped up on their page, and it's supposed to be due in February, so I'm going to be interested and see how it yeah, goes. Well, I don't know if I'm. Gonna, I don't really need another device like this. It'll actually accept a USB mouse. Yeah, and a USB joystick. That is cool. So that's nothing. Well, you're to do. supposed to be able to plug in, yeah, USB joystick, which that would be really cool to have a just a a, a regular style gamepad controller that you can plug into your Commodore 64 right yeah. off the bat. So that that port's got to be used then for more than just power. Oh no, no, it's more than just power. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, for the for the 1541 stuff, it's oh, got to gotcha. be drawing power because you don't have to plug it in anywhere else. Pretty hmm. interesting. Very cool. So that yeah. has nothing to do with the Messiah. That's it's a whole nope, separate. That's a device. whole separate thing. Yep. That is cool. So the real question, though, is do you plug that into joystick port one or joystick port two? I think you can the do age, The age-old yeah. Commodore question, which took me a long, two or three days until you told me, 
Yeah. Oh, just try a different joystick, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. It would the be, wild west of computers. Now that you say that, wouldn't, it, wouldn't this product be better if it just had two joystick plugs in it, plugged into the Commodore 64 with, with a pass-through, so you could, there hit you, a, go. you could hit a button to switch between one I'm and sure two. that exists. That, that device does exist. I had one for a while, and I lost it, but um, I, it, uh, there is something you can plug in there and use a little switch to switch between one and two on the fly. Gotcha. Cool. Next to my list, another new pinball machine coming wow. out, this time from Spooky Pinball. So, Spooky Pinball is one of the companies um, that I've never I've, heard of them. I've talked about. They're a, 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 a mom and pop shop, really. Okay. Um, they actually have a, a podcast called the Spooky Pinball Podcast, and they've had that for a long time. Um, the owner and his son are really into horror movies, mm-hmm. so that's just kind of their thing. Um, and then they always talked about pinball and went to shows, and one day they're like, you know what? Why don't we just make a pinball company? And so they're in Wisconsin, if I remember correct, like in the in the middle of nowhere. I can't remember the name of the town right now. Right. And they started the first machine. Um, they I think they made 500 of them. It was called Chew. I'm gonna forget the name of it. But they ended up doing um, the Rob Zombie game. They end up doing um, a number of other games. Now they're doing much larger productions, and they're pulling down licenses like Rick and Morty. Oh, cool. So their new game coming out is Rick and Morty, which is. Something that I think you and I have talked about, we both don't quite get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it yet. I've watched a couple of them, um, but it's huge. My yeah. son loves Rick and Morty, and it's, I mean, it's not super. I mean, he, he's in high school, so it's pretty yeah. age appropriate. But I've seen some episodes that I've, I've thought were pretty funny. I mean, the one thing I really like about them is they're pretty good, well science based, which I can appreciate. Oh, okay. But, um, I don't know. It's pretty. It's, it's a good. It's a pretty decent show. I'm How's sure, the pinball? I'm sure machine, it makes though. a great pinball machine. I don't yeah. know. I'm looking at with you right now. I mean, um, honestly, it looks almost disjointed. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the standard edition here. The side art looks really cool. The back glass art looks kind of dull in this picture, but yeah, um, I'm sure it's good. They they make really crazy, fun, vibrant stuff with um, crazy callouts and things. I know the the Rob Zombie one. Um, Actually had a lot of curse words. You had adult mode and you had uh, safe mode. Yeah. And uh, we played a bunch of that in the pinball league we were in. Oh, okay. And he put it on adult mode for the, the pinball league. It was kind of funny, though, because if you got low score, you'd have to put your name on the high sc- on the low score list. <laughs> and he'd sit there and insult you. Rob Zombie would insult you. That's funny. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty good time, actually. And Alice Cooper was the last one they made. Um. Anyways, new pinball. Always that good. Looks cool. Um, there's a new Nintendo Switch out. You might have seen this. It's uh, Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. So the new Animal Crossing game, which people have been losing their poop about, mm-hmm. which I don't get. Right. Um, the coolest thing about it, though, is I think it's the coolest looking Switch. <laughs> right. It's a full Switch. It's not a light. And it's a... Um, comes with two joy cons one of them is seafoam green and the other one is sky blue and it comes with a white dot oh wow so it just looks really cool yeah that sounds like i haven't seen this um it's uh oh, really i'll have to i'll pull it up for you that's why we have the computer here right on yeah i have a weird like um i don't hate animal crossing but i have to say i get bored with it pretty quick i think it's an interesting game and it's a game that i think some people would really love 
uh, my daughter included. I think if she ever got into it, she would kind of enjoy it because she likes The Sims and and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I played, I got Animal Crossing for my DS, thinking she would want to play it, and I played it for a couple of weeks, and then I just, I didn't, I just, it didn't stick with me. I think isn't it one of those games, kind of like. Um the Starview Valley or Minecraft, mm-hmm. or whatever, you just kind of play. There's no end. You just kind of play. Yeah, you just play it, and you try to make a more elaborate town, and you live in the you live in this little town. And you move your guy around, and you got to do little jobs, and you make friends, and you. It, it's I don't know. See, I can exp- I can respect that, but for me, like if there's no end game, mm-hmm. I have no interest. Right. I feel like I'm wasting my time. Yeah. That's just my point of view. But anyways, as you can see here. The, the color scheme. I think it looks really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do I do now see that the white dock I've never seen before has little Animal Crossing characters on it, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> the one I saw before was just a straight white dock, which just looked kind of cool. But Yeah. Well, you could probably paint over that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I could paint over my black one if I really wanted to. That's true. Um, I like the Joy-Cons are a nice color. Yeah. I like those. Yeah. So there's that. Cool. Check the uh, show notes if you want to see what we're looking at. Yeah. So the next thing I have is something I'm very familiar, very um, much looking forward to. Okay. And that is the Dreamcast, um, you know, the Dreamcast SD card thing that I, I installed in mine. Yes. There's one coming out for the GameCube, and uh, it's going to be... Oh, perfect. Almost, it looks to me, from what I've read, it's going to be even easier than the Dreamcast one, and the Dreamcast one's not hard. Um the the GameCube one, it just what it is is it you remove your optical drive, and you just plug this one in, and which it, is a fancy way of saying your CD-ROM. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, and you just uh, or what did they call them? GD-ROM? No, there's there were even micro CDs in, in the GameCube. Yeah, micro which, DVDs. Which no micro CDs. The like everybody should should know by now that on the Dreamcast you can just burn a game and play it. Um, on a burnt DVD or CD or whatever. Well, um, we had to mod ours, though. Nope. Not on Dreamcast. Oh, I thought you were talking about... Uh, no, no, sorry. On, on GameCube, yes. But on Dreamcast, you can just burn them. But Correct. On the GameCube, you have to have the smaller DVD DVDs, and they're, they're getting expensive and harder to find. And you need to mod your And GameCube. you have to mod your GameCube. You don't with this. And really? I, yep, you just pop this in. Well, then we just wasted our time. Yeah, well, we did. <laughs> I, luckily, I had, like I told you before, I have four GameCubes in the garage, because yeah. Goodwill, they're like 15 bucks on Game. Well, on, luckily, on, the mod chip was, I think, $3, right. $3.50. This one is not. <laughs> this one is more, but... This one's substantially more. Um, it's 90 bucks, but it is supposedly easy to install, and... It you don't you won't need to use those little DVD ROM things that are harder to find these days. Super now one cool. thing, one thing about this is that it will only play one game at a time. You put it on the SD card stock, it'll only do that. But if you install Swiss, you see how it says Swiss is supported in that list. Okay. Swiss I've used before. Um, it is this little like front end that lets you build a menu and you can then create a menu system for it. But it's not automatic. So, so it's not that, like an EverDrive where you just pop the ROMs and it makes. So is that menu. something you do on the card though itself? Yeah, Swiss. I, I don't know from this. I don't know from this device, but the way I've used Swiss before is I installed it on a memory card, and then the memory card booted Swiss, and Swiss oh, was kind of like okay. these. It, Swiss was it, Swiss is really just like a little toolkit that lets you do certain things to boot games. Okay. So it supports it, which means you can build a menu system, but it's not automatic. 
So there's probably some work to do on this, but yeah. I, I, I think I'll probably get this down the road because the GameCube, you know, I do need to explore the library more. Yeah, and I recently modded mine, and uh, I have a bunch of games on the. I do want to play. I burnt some, but yeah, I'm down to like five more blank discs. That's right. And and so I don't want to touch them until I know what I want to play next. And I have a few more, and I always sweat bullets when it's done, hoping that it burned correctly because they're getting. <laughs> I haven't. Hard. I have not got a bad burn yet, though. Oh, that's good. Good. I, I've gotten a few. So. Hmm. All right. Here is our third piece of hardware coming out, Eric. Ooh, we live yeah. in a glorious time. We do. And 2020 is the year for new retro hardware, retro-inspired hardware. So we've talked about the Evercade. Mm -hmm. It's coming. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't send us one to try out. Yeah, which is lame. I know. We've got... I mean, I haven't looked at last month's numbers, but by my calculations, we should be into the millions by now. Right. Um, so why they wouldn't send us one, I don't know. Uh, however, I did watch uh, some YouTube videos. I watched the Metal Jesus one. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. seen his videos. Yes, I have. And uh, watched him try it. It looks solid. Yeah, it does. My my biggest... Um, the only reason I hadn't sprung for pre-ordering one yet... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, two things. One is the games that it comes with. It comes with three games. Mm -hmm. Or three game cartridges. Which are all packs of like 6 to 15 games. Mm -hmm. Only one of the built-in packs is one I want. Um, I really want kind of the new stuff that I can't already get. I like don't the need Mega Cat Studios <clears throat> and stuff like yep. that. Yeah. I don't need the Namco games again. I don't need yeah the Atari Classics again. I have a million of those. Um, so, but they're out with ten cartridges now. And previously, when I looked, I also had to get it from um, what's the company out of the UK. Re oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Um, Retro Shop or Ugh. no Funstock. Funstock.co.uk, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Fun and that was their only distributor, which is a great distributor for the UK. Yeah. But for us to import from there costs more, and there's time and blah blah blah. So I was waiting for them to come out with an American distributor, and they did. Unfortunately, to my chagrin, it's Amazon. You don't like Amazon. I want a small company that does video games, and this is their thing to get it. Not, but if you never, if they never do, I mean, Amazon's okay, right? I, yeah, I mean, it, um, it'll be here in a day once they release it. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I take it back. They'll say it'll be here in a day, and it'll be here in three days, and they'll be like, "Oh, that's what we, that's what we meant." Prime, pay us more money. <laughs> um, they've been bad lately. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, it's on Amazon now. You can get the the. Machine with the three pack for ninety nine bucks. But it's it's Amazon US. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm mean, I can pull it up right here right now. You can pre order all the packs and everything. Um, I'm not going to pre order it. If it... I don't, I don't think I'm going to pre order it. I, I think I, I probably will get this. And I will tell you that if I love the form factor and the battery life and all that, and I love it, I will get the Namco pack and the old, the other ones. Oh yeah. Sure. I mean, if 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 it's if this is the end all be all of retro gaming and i love the form factor so much that i can take it in my car and when my kids are doing you know their thing their activities and i can play this in the car and i love it i'll get whatever i can for it so the my my big takeaway is from the metal jesus video okay the screen well the form factor is very similar to like a psp yeah it's a good size that's a good size the screen is very comparable much smaller than a switch but comparable yeah um and my big worry was the buttons, because a lot of times they're squishy or the D-pad's horrible, and that would ruin the system. Yep. He said it was very much like a Genesis, which is an okay D-pad. Yeah, I, I actually like the Genesis pad, I think, more than you do. There's much worse ones. Yeah. Well, I'm just talking about the pad itself. Oh, okay. But um, 
yeah, my issue with the Genesis is the shape, the bulk. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, the packaging looks really cool. Looks very collectible. Um, all the games are being sold separately. The game packs are being sold separately for twenty dollars each. They're all Prime. They're all Amazon. I still would like to try to see if I can buy it from a non-Amazon source, but we'll see. So what's the pre-order on this? When does it say it'll ship? Does it say it'll ship? April 9th, 2020. Oh, that's soon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, and you don't get a discount for pre-ordering, so I'm no. not, not going to pre-order it. Nope. Something tells me there'll be plenty. I mean, I'm not dogging yep. it. I'm just saying I don't think this is going to sell out in a few seconds. No, I put up my, my wish list because this yeah. is my birthday month, Eric. Oh, so maybe uh, maybe my family is listening. I did not, and they'll know this pick was up. Your birthday month, you don't right? need to. It's fine. February. Yeah. Well, you more or less got me a birthday present, Eric. We'll get to that next episode. <laughs> Whether you think so or not, you more or less got me a birthday present. Um, cool. There's that. Okay. Uh, my next here. Yeah. Yes. So I'm sure you've heard of this, Eric. Uh, Eric, I'm reading the thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam's journey. My name is Ron Burgundy. Um, and that's a bomb yes i want to use my new sound effects as much as possible i will take that sam's journey which we both you you never really got to play it on the commodore 64 right because i did not for for a few different reasons yeah i do have a way now but the main reason was it was pal only okay and so, I want to use my original if I can. It, it is pal only. You can do NTSC if I remember right. If you have a RAM upgrade or something, uh, something don't I don't have. have. Um, it, and it's four discs, so you're doing disc swapping if you're using like the SD mm. to whatever. Yeah, which it, is what I'm using. Yeah. So I I honestly have have multiple ways to play this, and I just don't. Um, and I love the game. It's a great game, and I should just try to finish it sometime. But now, it is coming out on the NES, so it will be a one cartridge image, which I think is going to be pretty sweet and a much easier way to play this. But it's, I mean, yes, but it looks different. I mean, it's a... Uh, a little different. I don't think it's, like, uh, like too different. I mean... Let's bring up some to the footage here and compare, here compare go, Nights here. of Bites. But yes, I'm very stoked that it's on the NES. I love my NES, period. Yeah, and uh, you know, I know you love the gamepad, which the gamepad is... Which I plug into my Commodore for platformers anyways. Right, exactly. I have a little DB9 adapter. So the color palette is different, but the for me, the sprites in the background, I mean, or the the objects in the game look exactly the same. You think so, huh? Yeah, I do. NES has... Um, the color palette is different. It's way different. The NES has this weird uh, sprite limitation for the size of the sprites. I think it's like 32 by 32. Okay. So enemies and monsters and everything in all NES games are all the same size. Yeah. So you'll play a game that like might have a big... big en- like a perfect example is when we did Bonk. Yeah. There's all kinds of different shaped size mm-hmm. enemies, but the sure. NES version, they're all that same yeah. 32 by 32 pixel enemy. But... So I think I mean, it looks good. It's really good. I think if they release an actual cartridge for this, I think I'll probably get it. Which I which I think they will. Probably. Um but we'll see. I mean if it's much cheaper for the thing. I mean we have Everdrives, might as well use them, right? Looks really cool. I think it looks great and and, and I think I'd play it more if it was on the NES. That's just hmm. me. 
Interesting. That surprises me. Cause... Yeah, because I love the Commodore 64, and I do love it. It's just a game that has so many disc swapping is... But I thought you had the Ultimate 1541, so you could do it all in one. You can't do it all in one, but you could just hit the NMI button, which is the interruptible button, um... during any time, and I can swap discs at any time. Gotcha. Yeah, he hit a button, and menu pops up. But it will load... There is a cartridge image for the Commodore 64 that crunches it all into one thing. Yeah. I think it's a cartridge image, or it could be one of the bigger disc images. I just haven't the downloaded D81. it. The D81. Exactly. Something like that. And I think it does put it all in one. I've just been lazy and haven't gotten to it. I should do that. I should just play what I got. Shut the <laughs> hell up. <laughs> Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. Play what you got. <laughs> hey Alright. Um, so this isn't, again, this is not necessarily news, but it's news to me. Okay. For the first time in like... 15 years or something, mm-hmm. Microsoft is working on a new Microsoft Flight Simulator. Ooh. And it's crazy. It's, um, I don't know if all these rumors are true, but it looks like they're using, like, earth mapping software to basically be like, all right, here's the entire globe, go crazy. And everything's, like, photorealistic. Yeah, I mean, if Google Maps can do that in multiple countries with, with looking at, you know, you, you drive down the street, you can see every yeah. street in real time. Or not real time, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you can, I don't see why you can't do so that. So you can go like fly over your house and like take pictures of your house or crash into your house. Yeah, land at like every airport that exists. Yeah, it looks insane. Yeah, you know um, that that buddy I was talking about, Jesse. He's still really into because he actually has his pilot license and he flies and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. And he loves flight simulators and stuff like that. He he just doesn't really invest in 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 systems and doesn't play games but he sends me this stuff these pictures from facebook and stuff all the time of people's setups people go crazy with flight oh, simulators yeah. have you i mean have you seen like this one guy the has entire rooms that have been converted one whole room of just knobs switches levers like it's a 747 or something with all everything and a giant panoramic screen where you can look behind you and 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 on the sides and everything People really spend it's a super ton cool, of but money. every time I see that, I know what I did just in my room for trying to hook up systems. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, the first time one thing was wrong, like having to move all that crap out of the way to get back behind there to yeah. like fix a cable or like yep. change something. It would be insane. Hell. That's imagine can you imagine having that all set up perfectly and you're playing it and loving it and then you do a software update and nothing works anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's that's to me from the IT guy perspective, I'd be like, that's a nightmare. Yeah. That is a nightmare. Yeah, you'd have to shut the world off the internet <laughs> from that room. Yeah. Don't touch it. I could see how it would be Don't fun. Don't touch though. my cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> you have one kid come over to play with your, your daughter, and then he runs upstairs and starts hitting <laughs> things. You're like, no! Yeah. Um, the one yeah. thing that my friend did say, which I thought was hilarious, was he said, I, I, I kept asking, well, why don't you get flight simulators? Like, why don't you build a full flight simulator setup? And he told me from, because since he is a pilot, he said, you want to know something? If it's not a combat game, flying is boring as hell. <laughs> Except for people who aren't pilots. Right. Who just he said, love it. Once you know, like he said that he, people were asking if he was going to buy a, like a Cessna, like a little Cessna airplane. And he's like, that thing is so boring to fly. I don't want to buy one. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Funny. So this, I think this is from an older. This is from, okay. This is an older flight simulator. I'm trying to find a new one. But I guess, like, one thing a lot of people are looking forward to is there's an airport in Nepal called Lukla. Yeah. Which I guess is Mount Everest. Hmm. Okay. And it's, like, the hardest airport to... Here's a picture of the real one, I think. 
supposed to be like the hardest landing strip to land or take off from. Okay. Because it's actually on an angle down to up. And so like right now we're looking down the runway and that's actually like a 15 degree yeah. slope down. And then below that is just like a cliff. Just a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and there's other ones. Um, I remember watching some video on YouTube of the most challenging airports to land at. And there's ones where right next to mountains and yep. It, there's a lot of crazy yeah you can't stuff. see it here but like right behind this airplane is a mountain going yeah up. you can tell that's on a decline that that runway yep yeah but i you know flight simulators are one of those things i was really into as a kid like i loved flight simulators helicopter I, ones airplanes yeah. but i i just don't know if I, that's a genre i could get back into i think i could get back into it but it would have to be all set up and ready for me i'm not going to put the time and effort into yeah, but even a game like the modern air combats, which I mean, as a kid, I would have I would have loved something like that. And I played the first couple of air combat um, on uh, the Playstations, but I, I just I don't know. It just doesn't do the same thing for me anymore. Yeah, which is sad, but they they just don't. <laughs> Super yeah. Huey. Yeah. <laughs> um, two last bits of news here. They're smaller, but interesting nonetheless. Mm-hmm. We were talking about uh, Game & Watch covers lately, mm-hmm. in the last episode, and there's yet another Game & Watch uh, game program for the C64. Oh, really? A, a fire. Yeah. A game called Fire, which is funny, actually, because that game is people jumping out of a burning building, you have trampolines, you're trying to bounce them to safety. Yeah. It's the exact same game as the puppy throwing from Earthworm right. Jim 2. Oh, wow. Same <laughs> mechanics. Yep. That's fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, last but not least, a game called Yan's World is being released, which is not terribly exciting, except for the fact that it is a new Virtual Boy game. Oh, wow. You don't hear about those very much. No, you don't. And it's a system that you and I have never talked about much. Nope. Part of me wants to get one. It'd be another one of those things that I play once a year just to experience it. Yeah. I think. I, I'd love to try one. I don't think I'd want to own one. They have a lot of maintenance issues. Yeah. That so. and uh, they just don't seem like they have a lot of uh, a lot of mileage for me. Limited library. The, most games aren't that good on it, from what I heard, because I've heard podcasts really? about them. Um, there are a couple of real great games on them, but for the most part, they're. I remember my buddy, not acquaintance of mine down the street, had one. And I remember trying. Um, it was a Mario game, and it was actually really cool. It was mm-hmm. the only one I played though. But I heard it's like the the best game on the system. Yep. So. And I heard the same thing on a podcast <clears throat> like that. The Mario game. And there's a couple other ones that are a lot of fun. I think and the tennis one's supposed to be pretty good. Tennis one is another one that comes up. But for every one of those, there's like, you know, I forget how many games are on it, but it's not, it's, it's you know, double digits, right? I think it's like. Yeah, yeah. It's a I mean, there's not handful. that many games. And there's a couple handfuls. Yeah. Cool. Well, that finishes our news, Eric. Excellent. I think we need to grab another beer while we, we hear uh, what Tim's got to say. Oh, is, is Tim coming soon? It's tea time. Is it? It's tea time for oh, Tim. Oh, it's tea time with Tim. Come on now. Not, 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 <laughs> meet, not meeting time with Tim. Not meeting time with Tim. That's next episode, Eric. Oh, that's right. Okay. So while we get our beers ready, we'll catch you guys up in just a few things. We're going to hear what Tim has to say about... Do you remember the topic? I do. It was about the... See, we don't listen to it ahead of time. This is news to us as well. Yeah. You know what? I don't remember. Because last one was a Dreamcast. This one was... Well, um... I'll tell you. It's about Llamasoft software. That's right. Llamasoft. Which I'm actually really excited about. Yeah. Um, some kind of crazy games. Uh, a lot of... They're supposed to be really good. Mm-hmm. My knowledge of these games is very minimal. Yeah. 
Um, there was a great one on the Vic 20 that I played all the time, the Attack of the Mutant Camels. <laughs> and so that's a lot like the Star Wars game on the 2600, if I remember right. Probably, yeah. And um, so these games, and I wasn't a fan of that. Anyway, I haven't played the Attack of the Mutant Camels, though, but um, a lot of these games from the 80s and 90s, my preconception of the games is that they're not the most pretty looking games. They don't look terribly exciting. Right. But apparently the gameplay is just awesome. It's smooth and fast. I mean, yeah. I, I, that was one key thing about those games. And even the VIC-21 is is insane. Like, it's a blast. And it's challenging. So, yeah. cool. I'm looking forward to it. And then in our last episode, I talked to, us, uh, to you guys about how I was getting in my first Intellivision. Yeah. So I threw it out there on Twitter and says, does anyone want me to review this thing? Because it's brand new to me. And everyone said, yeah, do it. So right after Tea Time with Tim, you're going to hear Cody's Corner, in which case I review the Intellivision. Perfect. I'm looking forward to both of them. So let's hear it. Hey, guys. How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's Tea Time with Tim. Welcome back to Tea Time with Tim. This month, we're talking all things Llamasoft and Jeff Minter related. Throughout my time with computers, consoles and their games, there has, far as I can remember, always been one programmer and publisher that I have sought out their games. When I finally managed to get myself a Commodore 64 back in the mid-80s, it came with a bunch of games. One of these games was a game published by a company called Llamasoft. Llamasoft games, as you may or may not know, either involve camels, llamas or space aliens blowing stuff up in some way. Llamasoft was founded by Jeff Minter back in the early 80s. Jeff has long been a programmer and producer of games that I have admired and followed. I could sit here and go on for hours about the games and the history behind them. However, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about Jeff and Llamasoft and then talk about the games. If you have never played any of Jeff Minter's games, then prepare yourself for a shooting, zapping and all-round psychedelic experience. I know that some people think that his games are not to their taste and that they lack some depth. I don't disagree that most Llamasoft games are simple in their idea and not exactly steeped in plot and long backstories. For me, Jeff's games are polished, well-written and unique. The early games like Grid Runner are single-screen, fast-paced shooters with many opportunities to meet your doom very quickly. I don't profess to be good at his games. This, for me, is where the genius of his games really shine through. There is a lot of thought gone into what appears to be a simple game mechanic that allows you to pick it up so quickly. All that being said, if you want something a little more deep and meaningful, these early games may not be for you, and that's totally fine. Jeff started out his programming journey in the very early 80s, working on computers such as the ZX80, ZX81, and the Commodore PET. At the time he was living in the town of Reading and was coding and releasing early games in a partnership with his mum. However, later on in the 80s he left his college education and started his own company writing and publishing games himself. After some bad experiences with early software through other companies, cutting out the middleman and selling them direct was the way he wanted to go. Jeff founded Llamasoft in 1982. The first game to be launched on the Llamasoft label was Andy's Attack. This is a Defender clone for the VIC-20. It had an amount of success here in the UK and was also released out in the US under the name of Aggressor. 
The money from Andy's attack allowed Jeff a good foundation to start creating more titles and would move on to Grid Runner that was a big commercial success over here and in the US. This got conversions onto many systems at the time, not necessarily directly written by Jeff himself as he was concentrating on new titles. One of these new titles is the game that Jeff is well known for called Attack of the Mutant Camels. This game has a defender type feel. You fly your jet along a scrolling playfield and the idea is each level has six ultra sized camels that spit bullets at you from all directions as you try to land shots into the camel to dispatch it. As the camel meets its demise, it throws its head in the air and lets out a meow noise as you roll your ship on to take out the next camel. As you clear the levels, the action gets more frantic the quick pace and the arcade feel is what made this game a big seller. At the time there was little around with its polish and feel that AMC had, a total classic for sure. Jeff would go on to write a sequel called Return of the Mutant Camels. This was published by Mastertronic on their MAD label. This time you are a camel taking on all coming aliens in a fast paced multi-level shooter with different selectable weapons and power-ups. There were other classic games that were written by Jeff under the Llamasoft banner and published by other software houses, such as Hewson with Aridus Alpha. I have to admit to never really understanding this game, but I will get round to it soon. Battleaxe, that was released by Electronic Arts. This was a series of six mini-games in one release. The idea was to complete each game to win the competition icon for each mini-game. Some of the mini-games are AMC 2, Attack of the Mega Camels 2, and also a weird style game called Synchro 2, where you control pattern squares on the background and spin the patterns to stop the two enemies from moving around, kind of trapping between them two, but between two opposing spinning tiles. The other weird thing with this is as you spin each tile, it makes a different sound so it kind of gives a weird random soundtrack to the game. As the 80s drew to a close, and the once mighty 8-bits like the C64 and the VIC-20 that Jeff's success had been established on were fading, he started to develop for the Atari ST range of computers. During the latter part of the 80s, Jeff started making up a series of light synthesis programs. One of these was a title called Psychedelia on the C64 and would be converted to many other micros at the time. The basis for the light synths titles were based on a 1K algorithm that Jeff wrote in a moment of inspiration. The idea was that you would get a single point on the screen and as you then moved the point around with the joystick, the trail behind it would create random block patterns with different colors assigned to each block. This was also mirrored on the other side, so it would give you a very interesting effect. The market for this, of course, was limited and was not really a commercial success. However, with the rise of the 16 bits and more power available, the inclusion of music along with the dynamic patterns generated gave rise to some commercial success, and thus Tripatron was born. This being a version of the light synthesis program on the Atari ST using music and light synth effects at the same time. The light synthesis programs would carry on through different iterations going through the years, with a more advanced version being included with the Xbox 360 user interface that played along with the music in the background when you were playing CDs. 
This was called Neon. One of the things that Jeff was and is still known for is his early adoption to new systems and technology. To the point where in the mid to late 80s, Jeff was developing an updated version of Attack of the Mutant Camels, involved with a new console system called the Konix Multi-System. This was revolutionary at the time. It was designed by the company that is mainly known for its 8-bit controllers, like the Speaking. The system was essentially a games machine inside, but the actual console itself was also the controller. It transformed into different types of controllers based on the game you were playing. It would be able to be made into a steering wheel for racing games, handlebars for a motorbike game, and it also had light guns and other controllers in development. If you get a moment and you've never seen this before, it's well worth looking up. There's a very well-known photo of Jeff Minter sitting in a gaming chair that was designed for the system with a light gun in one hand and the controller of the system in the other. It would have been an amazing concept, but alas, Koenigs did not have the financial clout to see the console through. And also, it was 8-bit based, and at the time the 16-bits were ruling the roost, and was very much around the time where Sega and Nintendo were about to sweep into the games market in the UK. It's a shame as it had so much promise at the time, but just a little bit too late to market. The game that Jeff was developing, AMC 89, was released into the public domain a few years ago, along with an emulator that will allow you to play the game for the Koenigs Multisystem. I'll ask Eric to include it in the show notes so you can have a link to it and download it. That moves us nicely into the availability of all the games that have been mentioned here so far and all the other games that Jeff released in the 80s. In the late 90s and the early noughties, Jeff decided that none of his early software would ever make him any significant money anymore. And with the rise of powerful PCs that could easily emulate the early 8-bits, he decided to release them into the public domain. So as long as they are not sold on for profit, you are free to download them and play them, either on emulators or on the original hardware. So, if this has given you the impetus to get out there and play some Larmsoft games, then you can pick them up from here. We'll include these links in the show notes, but I'll just read them back anyway. So you can go to www.larmasoftarchive.org also, if you find them fun and exciting, as I do, then you can always pop a quick donation over to Jeff on his website. That's www.minotaurproject.co.uk and look for the donation link on their main page. There are many awesome Jeff Minter games to have a go on and you'll find them pretty much all on that download link as we mentioned before. Here are a few that I think that you really want to have a look at based on each system. So let's start with the VIC-20. I would recommend Grid Runner, Hellgate and Matrix. For the Commodore 64, Attack of the Mutant Camels, Battlex, Hoverbover, Eridus Alpha, Psychedelia, Matrix and Revenge of the Mutant Camels. Jeff also wrote directly some games for the Atari 8-bit, so I would recommend Grid Runner 2 and Revenge of the Mutant Camels. Some of the 16-bit titles worth looking at are Llamatron for the Amiga. This was a PD game. And also, from a historic point of view, check out Tripatron on the Atari ST. 
So this is about as brief as I could get this to cover the 8-bit and some of the 16-bit games. There's really a rich history to cover going into the 90s and up to present day. Jeff and Giles, who co-authors games with Jeff now, are still creating amazing games for systems like the PSVR and PCVR. Maybe I will cover this in the next few months. But for now, that's all from me. And if you have been, thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to Cody's Corner. Uh, you may or may not have heard on the show earlier, prior to this, that I picked up a Mattel Intellivision. This is a system that came out in, I believe, 1979? Fact check. And it's a very cool looking device. This is the original one. Uh, there was also an Intellivision 2 that was made a little cheaper, a little smaller. Um, and I believe there were some games it could not play. Uh, but this original one is the wood-grained version, all brown plastics, kind of a uh, metallic beige overlays on the discs and also on the, I don't know, the front of this device here. Um, only output is RF, and the power cord is built in, so it's a little weighty. It's got the uh, the power inside it, like most of these units did back then. Um, so... I put it out there on Twitter, you know, hey, I'm I'm excited to try this new device. Uh, who wants a review? And most people were excited to hear, you know, my review on getting this system for the first time, having never played it in 2020. So this is my review of the Mattel and Television. Um, first of all, super cool aesthetic. We already kind of went over that. But it comes with two controllers with the uh, old, you know, phone cord springy... Uh, what do you call these things? Uh, springy cables. They're a lot thinner than I thought. They look big and chunky, but they're actually, once you put your hands in them, there's these recessed areas. You can hear me clinking them together here. Um, where you could put your hand underneath here, and they're, they're quite thin. The front of this thing has 12 buttons on it, plus a disc. We'll get to that in just a second. And also two buttons on each side, kind of a, higher, uh, a top button and a bottom button which you can kind of get to with your first and second finger on one hand and uncomfortably with your thumb on the other hand. These are not the most ergonomic controllers and they seem to be the biggest sticking point when, when you know, talking about this system. The coolest part about this system, in my opinion, what really sets it apart from its main competition at the time, which of course was the Atari 2600, there was a couple other uh, systems out. Eventually the ColecoVision came out and it kind of refined this controller. Uh, but the coolest thing about it is that every game comes with overlays. So the overlays slide down over the keypad, and then you can get basically all kinds of cool visuals and names for each number on your number pad. Uh, the numbers on the pad, if you don't have the insert in it, would be, you know, 1 through 9, 0, clear, and enter. And then you've got the disc. So the disc is unique because... No matter where you push on the disc, the whole disc will move in. So if you press up, it kind of tilts up. But if you press up and down, the whole thing kind of goes in together. Uh, the D-pad on the Nintendo definitely you know, became the norm. And one of the things that had patented on it was that there was a center uh, little chunk of plastic so that you could not press two directions at once. And this one, you kind of can. The whole thing is, it, it's very easy to press, for, for better or for worse. But 
as you will see kind of later on in here, for action games, it's not very precise. Um, you can kind of hear it there. But it does look cool, and on certain games it feels very cool. What it does allow you to do is very easily kind of roll your finger from like top to, you know, you can do like a 180 degree arc down to the bottom. So for games like that where you want smooth directional changes, it works really well. So that's really it on the machine. The only other button on the machine is a reset button and an on and off slider. The games that came with this system, um, I got about 12 games with it here. So I don't know if it's specific to just my games or the environment where these games were kept, but every single one of them I had to clean multiple times and insert and pull out multiple times in my Intellivision. Sorry about my phone there. Uh, before it would actually make good connection and start up. Um, I got two different lots of games. So these came from two different environments and they both both lots had the same problem. So I will say that if you're looking at ordering these games now, expect a, a lot of work, um, a lot of clean with some Q-tips or whatever on the cartridge edges to make them work. Now let's get to the games, which is of course the, the real reason you want any system. Yeah, the, the hardware is great, but it's worthless unless you have good games. So let me just tell you right now, I'll kind of give away some of this. I love this system. Um, we went over the hardware. The hardware looks really cool. It's not the greatest controller. I definitely think a lot of these games, and we'll get to that more, but action games in particular, if there's a version on the Atari 2600, they're not going to look as good, but they're going to play a lot better just because the control method is so precise. It takes more abu abuse. But what this controller with the Intellivision lends itself to is much more in-depth, elaborate gameplay. So, I'm going to start with Advanced advanced Dungeons & Dragons here. Um, comes in its box. All my games had boxes. And I will go ahead and give the system bonus points as far as collectability or enjoying it nowadays, in large part because of these boxes. Most games have their box, and the box has a little uh, pamphlet slot, so you can put in your... Uh, not only the, the manuals are typically in here, but also posters or advertisements for other games from whatever uh, manufacturer the game was made out of. And then you also, of course, have your two inserts. Most games I've been finding have all of this. Um, they're in kind of various states of disrepair. For the longest time, I was looking at all my inserts, and even the nicer ones have kind of these triangular bends on the corner. And I could not figure out why they all have that same stupid bend. Um, I tried to like pull it in and out of the machine a few times and look at it, um, see the boxes, see how they might get creased in the wrong way, putting them away or something. And the only thing I can think of is that when you actually pull it out of the controller, you kind of try to slide it up and there's another little block at the top of the controller so it won't fall completely out. And you do have to kind of pinch it from the sides to get it out of there and that's probably what's creating those triangular creases. But the overlay for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons kind of has your your eight directions, you know, up, down, left, right, and the corners. Side buttons do run. You have pickup. You have count arrows. You have exit. And this is just a really cool game where you have a top uh, down kind of overview map, and it's it's procedurally generated. I think they actually do have a limited number of total maps, but it's so large you never really see the same one twice. Um, you can play it on four different difficulties, and you go into these different areas, these different caves. Um, 
and you go through there and it's kind of a fog of war effect where you're not sure where you're going and when a monster shows up you have to try to to kind of run away from it while shooting back at it to kill it um collect a couple of keys or other items you might need later on escape that cave and then you can go further in the map you know eventually might need to collect a boat in a cave which i don't know how that works but so that you can uh, go over a river um, you're going to eventually need keys so that you can unlock the large gate to get to the final mountain where you have to beat the uh, the large boss at the end of the final mountain to win the game. Um, I've beat it on, on easy and medium. Really love this game, but the truth of it is, this game it would not be possible on an Atari 2600 because it has one button. You literally need almost every button on the controller to play this game. Um, now, there is some action in this game, but realistically, you're strategizing, you're looking at the map, you're trying to figure out what to do. Um, you're stealthily going through these corridors while listening, because you can hear sounds from which monster is in the next room by, by hearing it. And a uh, really cool kind of tactical game with some action elements. Love that game. The next game I played uh, is actually from... Oh, it says Sears Telegame, so it's kind of the generic box here. And it's called Sub Hunt. Uh, really cool overlay on this one as well. You have different speeds for your subs. You can select your sub, you can dive, you can surface, you can turn on or turn off your sonar, um, change your rudder, you can reverse, and of course you can fire. And this game was kind of cool. Uh, you have four subs, you're kind of controlling this fleet of subs from a top-down view, and you have your little viewfinder on the top of the screen that if you're on the surface, you can see other subs or I'm sorry, not other subs, but ships. Usually it's a destroyer in the front that can attack you, and some other ships in the back, and you're trying to destroy these these fleets as you go. Um, these games, like I said, really in-depth, a lot going on here. Um, I really love the strategy elements to it, the fact that you kind of have to know what you're doing. You definitely need to read the manuals on most of these uh, good in-depth uh, television games, and so I suggest you do so. Because these are the games to get. Now the next game I have here is from Imagic, and it's called Beauty and the Beast. Now the reason I bring this one up, it's considered uh, one of the kind of uh, titles on the Intellivision. I believe it, this is not on any other system. Um, it's kind of a Donkey Kong clone, if you will, but just a little more. It's a little different, a little more interesting. You have these windows you can climb to different levels while the beast is on the top of this building throwing things down at you. You can collect hearts to get more life. Um, but you kind of keep going higher and higher up these towers and completing as many towers as you can. Um, this is a fun game, but it does highlight the issue with Intellivision, which is that disc control. It, you very often try to press up and you're actually pressing a slight diagonal so your character does not go up. And many of the action games on the system are going to struggle from that. For example, the next two I have here, another Imagine, uh, Imagic title, which is called Dragonfire. Um, this game, you just kind of get, there's kind of two screens. You go left and right, you, you dodge arrows, you jump over, you're trying to cross a bridge, and eventually you get inside where there's a dragon shooting fire at you, and you try to collect all the loot before you go back out and do it again. Um, not a great game. Again, kind of highlights the issue with this controller. I'll be trying to collect all these, all this loot, uh, but you're trying to change directions really quickly, and with that disc, it's just not accurate. It's really hard to do. Sometimes you're going in circles around something while you're trying to catch it. Um, and then Frogbog, which is another you know, semi-classic on the system, which is kind of fun. I'm sure if you had two players, it'd be a lot more fun. But really just quick action romp. 
The only way to really play it is if you have it on the quote-unquote hard difficulty where pressing the right direction and at the right increments can tell you how far or what angle you're going to jump to try to catch these bugs. Um, on easy mode, it's literally any button press just makes your frog jump in a predetermined arc, and it's kind of boring. Um, but again, kind of the same issue with that disc. And then the last game I'm going to go over here, I have a bunch more, but the last one I want to go over is uh, B-17 Bomber. Now, the reason I bring this one up is because my machine did come with the IntelliVoice voice, voice Synthesis module, which you plug in the side, and I really had to clean this thing up and the game to get this all working. But now I got it in pretty good uh, condition here. And this is such a cool game. It really is. Um, of course, the voice synthesizer... <laughs> I can't say that word. Synthesizer uh, allows speech to happen on the Intellivision. And you kind of hear kind of some things while you're playing. So basically, you, you take off. And again, if you don't read the manual, you're not going to know how to do this. You literally need to read the manual. You have to go to a certain speed. You have to take off. And uh, you can have a cockpit view, if you will. Um, so you take off. You start flying. And then you have a map view where you can select where in Europe you want to go. Um, there's airfields you can go try to bomb. There are artilleries. Uh, what do you call them? Batteries, right? Where they shoot back at you. There's battleships in the ocean you can attack. Um, a couple of other things here. And your goal is basically to go blow stuff up. Um, so when you select an area on your overview map, you kind of start autopiloting, autopiloting that way. And then um, it's interesting because you've got four guns. you got the front, you got you know, 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock, which would be your left and right. Uh, I'm sorry, 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock, and then you got 6 o'clock, which is your tail. And anytime you hear somebody yell at you, you know, bandits, 12 o'clock, well, you know, okay, great, I got to go in the cockpit and start shooting. Um, or bandits, uh, 6 o'clock, now I need to go to the tail and start shooting. So you hit that button on your controller, you hop back there, try to fight them off. All the same time, you're trying to figure out where you're going, which direction you're going, and um, bomb things. Or else you also hear that there's... Um, uh, what do they call it? Flag? Flack? Something like that. And like They're shooting at you from the ground. And in that case, you actually have to take over the controls and start kind of uh, going up and down, left and right, and just moving your plane all over the place, trying to avoid uh, flak from the ground. Really cool game. Um, if you pick the top left corner, it's practice mode. A lot of people online said that was like a cheat, where you can get hit and everything all you want and you won't die. But that even says right in the manual, it's a practice mode, which means, yeah, there's no damage, so you kind of learn how to play the game. I did that for a while, then started playing on easy difficulty, and it gets much harder. Um, but really fun game. You have to kind of limit how many bombs you, you dump uh, versus how far you are. If you go too far, uh, too long, you won't have enough gas to get back to England. Um, and you have to get back there so that you can land, fill up, and go back out again. And ultimately, you get a try to get a high score. I played this four or five times, and I don't think I ever got a positive score. My uh, score reductions were always higher than my my bombing runs or, or taking out uh, enemy plans. But super cool game, definitely one that I would suggest. And uh, if I did not own it, I would definitely buy it again. So that's a quick overview. Um, so what do I think about the system ultimately? And I'll give it a number rating, right? Because that's what we do here on Pixel Guide In. This system nowadays, as a collector's item, I think this might be my favorite system from that early 80s, late 70s era. Um, I really do like the ColecoVision. It's got the best graphics out of those, you know, out of, I'm going to say those three, the Atari 2600, the Intellivision, and the ColecoVision. But the games that 
that came out in the Intellivision are just so much more creative and nowadays more interesting to play. Um, the graphics on the Intellivision versus the Atari are more refined. They're definitely not, you know, arcade quality. They're, they're, they take, they leave some to the imagination. Um, but you can tell by being able to switch through all these different screens and do these different maps and things all at the same time that there's more power in this system. In fact, there's infinitely more power because the Atari has no onboard memory. Um, but this machine can do a lot more, and the games that they created for it, because of that, because of the control method, because of the lack of li limitations, I guess, on inputs, uh, just such cooler games. Also, the fact that all the games pretty much come boxed with manuals, games, inserts. This is a system that I don't know if I really want a flash cart. I mean, I do. If they make one, I'm going to buy it. Um, they're currently out of production, but... That being said, I, I want physical copies. I want the, to pull the game off the shelf, open it up, read the manual, pop in the overlays, and play it the right way. I feel like this is a very collectible machine. The fact that everything is so inexpensive right now, I think that's going to change pretty quick because I think people are literally, like, this year starting to come around to this thing. Um, I think I'm going to start collecting for this thing, and it's going to become a problem in a good way. Um so if I was talking about this machine nowadays as a player slash collector of things old, uh, having never played this, you know, before having no nostalgia, and also the fact that the new Intellivision Amico is coming out, um, I had to get one of these. I'm gonna go ahead and rate this out of forty. What's a good thing? Forty um, fake wood grains. I think it's really cool. I really like it. I'm going to give it 34 out of 40 fake wood grains. Um, so many positives, like I already mentioned, with the downside just being, you know, I don't think I'm going to collect arcade games, uh, fast action arcade games for this. I'm really going to focus on the kind of system exclusives that use a lot of strategy um, and multiple inputs that make this machine kind of unique and interesting. So there's my review, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more because a uh, little birdie told me that someone else on the podcast may have picked one up as well. So thank you much for listening to Cody's Corner, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, let's grab ourselves a beer. Thank you again, Tim, and thank you again, Cody. Cody, your voice is amazing and <laughs> so soothing so and smooth. sensual. Yes. So we appreciate That's you and what you do for the podcast. All right, what beer did we get? So the beer I brought today is from a somewhat local brewery called Dust Bowl, which I do love. Their, they have Taco Truck, which is a We've great, had that before. We have. Is, yes. I brought it a long time ago, but this is one of their different ones. This is called the Dirty 30s Pale Dirty Ale. Dirty 30s Pale Ale. And uh, the, the, we, we got to go to their their brewery slash restaurant someday. It's, it's pretty large, and it's... And that's in um, Turlock? Turlock, yep. Yeah, I've seen it off the side of the freeway. It is. It, it, they have good food there. Um, lots of different varieties of beer, and they're all pretty good. Nice. Smells good. Got some nice uh, floral hops. It's got the floral hops smell for sure. And I'm cheers. glad you say that because... Here, cheers. Cheers again. I'll say that because when I, my wife hates pale ales, and she the thing she does not like is she doesn't like the floral smell. Is a different color than mine? Nope. They're the same. It's just the, the shade in that corner of the room, yep. I suppose. She doesn't like that, and, and we've talked about it as being the floral smell and floral taste, and she does not like it. This one's very light, though. 
So I told her, because if you get like a fat tire, it's not light. It's right in your face, like that floral taste, but which I don't like. But this one is smooth. Or even like a Sierra Nevada. Mm -hmm. The Sierra Nevada is much more intense. Like it's very hoppy. Mm -hmm. This one's light and smooth. It's very light. How do you like it? I like it. It's very drinkable. I'm not going to say I love it, though. Okay. Let me take another sip. Yeah. (laughs) Got to think about this one. The silence of us tasting. Um, so this is... Uh, There's not much going on there. What is the Dirty 30s? Um, I'm just going to go from... Yeah, I mean, that's a period of time, right? That's yeah. like Flapper Girls and... Flapper Girls? Okay. Underground jazz and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm going to do, since it's Dust Bowl Brewery, I'm going to do Tumbleweeds. I like that. It actually has a little picture of a little whirlwind on the cover. Yeah. Oh, a little, de- what do they call that? The devil? Uh, dust devil? Dust devil. Let's do dust devil. Dust devil? Let's get right. a picture of it. Yikes. Um, we're going to rate this out of 30. 30 30s. Oh, there we go. There's the connection. Hey! hey. Let's go. Oh, <laughs> Eric, you are so smart. We're going to do 30 dust devils. So out of 30 dust devils, yep. I'm going to give this. Yep. Wait for it. 20. I'm, I, I think I'm going to match you, because it's not my favorite beer in the world. Yeah, it's I good. Mean, it, I'd drink it again. Yep. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it the same, because it's the yeah. number I literally was in my head. I was like, it's going to be about a 20. I'm going to give it a dirty 20. A dirty 20. <laughs> <laughs> a filthy 20 out of dirty 30. Dust Devils. Uh, all right. Mm. It's not, but right now, it's hitting the spot. It's a nice palate cleanser after the last peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> I think we have something else a little heavier coming later, too. So... Um, we have a system to battle. Yes, we do. So let's go ahead and hear that little bump if I can find the button. <laughs> battle of the systems. <laughs> so, Eric, I chose this battle because, you to be quite honest... I selfishly wanted to play these two games for a long, long time. Good. And I'm like, how do I get myself to play these? And I found a connection. So this is Battle of the Systems, beautiful games on failed Sega systems. (laughs) Does that work? That does work. Okay, so we've got the game Astal. I'm going to call it Astal. That's the word I've been pronouncing it, yeah. On the Sega Saturn. Yep. Versus Calibri, which is... um, well, a game on the 32X. Right. And you're a hummingbird in Calibri. So I'm like, well, what? that probably means hummingbird, but what language? I don't know if it's Latin or what, but I, C- I Calibri? noticed... Yeah, I noticed there's like four or five different languages I looked up that Calibri meant hummingbird. Yeah, and it's in the manual, too, because I had to read the man. I, you know, I'm starting to, especially with some of these games, read the manual, and I'll tell you why in a second when we talk about Astal. Astal? That's not what men do. Who yeah, are it's you? Not, but I, I I'll, give me your card. I've got, I got a story for you about that game. But, um, <laughs> but we'll get into. No, I'm, I actually, I'm really glad you picked these because when I started playing these, dipping my toe, because I've never played either of these, but when I started dipping my toe in these, they're actually usually, usually when we do this battle, there's usually one dog. We got to admit it, right? Yeah. There's usually a dog game. Both these games generally are fun. Yeah. So you not can't go wrong with either one. They're It'll both, be a good battle. I'm I have no idea where you're going to land on this. Yep, and they're both unique. They're both fun to play. They're both they're both one's a platformer and one would be called kind of a shmup. 
Kind of? Yeah. Shmup so, puzzle? Calibri is a very unique game. I don't know a whole lot right. of games like it. But there's two different platforms that are both so unique that you know it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough battle let's just say that but they're both fun to play so i was i love playing both of them well let's start with estelle because it's that. first on the list no better reason than that yep let me pull up my notes i'll pull there. up some video of it while we're here so yep. estelle yep is a again a very pretty game it is it is more or less a side scrolling i would call it an action platformer i think would be what i would call it um let me let me type in gameplay here so we can start looking at some. Um, it has really cool anime cutscenes if you're into that kind of a thing. So the story is actually very prominent. It's a very weird story, mm -hmm. um, very fantastical, very Japanese. In fact, I had the Japanese version of this game, um, but I sold it because it was like a hundred bucks. Oh wow! So I sold it, but I did have it. But here it is playing in the background. Um, it is a platformer. You're this kind of squatty red-haired dude who has feet as big as his head and the rest of his body is small um so i guess you want to call that chibi and you have bright red hair and you have a little parrot which is kind of your messenger yeah now what's unique about this game first of all is and i never got to do this but if you play two player the second player can be the parrot yeah, that's right. I so, read that in the manual. I didn't get to play it that way, but I did read that in the manual. Yeah. It's a cool way to to play this game. Um, we're looking at one of the cutscenes here. This really kind of anime, um, you know, mystical land where like there's crystals all over the place and crazy lightning and spirals happening. And um, it's definitely got that thing going during the cutscenes. But the actual gameplay, here we go. Here, gorgeous backgrounds. There's parallax on everything. Parallax up the wazoo. Up the wazoo. And parallax being where the foreground moves at a different rate than the midground, which yep. is different than the background. And this one has multiple layers of parallax. I mean, you can see that there's at least three in most scenes. Mm -hmm. Like a, the front moves, the middle moves, and then there's a distance in the background. Um, pretty amazing. Really pretty game. Uh, you got a little HUD down below. You've got a bunch of these like chili pepper things, which are your health. Little seeds, yeah. You have a number that shows how many lives you have. And then you've got a few other things on there that we can kind of talk to that relate more or less to the parrot. And this part about the parrot, like this part of the game that we're watching right now, was bordering on the the, the PETA rules from last episode, because your character is <laughs> kind of a little jerk, and he says some pretty nasty things to the bird, like "Oh, leave me alone" or something like that. Oh, yeah, and it's got uh, it's overdubbed voice. Yeah, and it's definitely you're supposed to be like a, a young boy, mm -hmm. but it's that typical like early 90s thing where a 40-year-old woman plays the voice of That's a young right. boy. <laughs> like, like in The Simpsons. Oh, guys! Yeah. Come on! Stupid what, parrot, get what, out of here! What are you doing, stupid bird? <laughs> but yeah, it, but the bird fights with you and is your friend, and, and but the kid at first like doesn't like the bird. Yep. So it's very bizarre. So as you're playing, you can tell the bird to run off and try to find um, power-ups, like yep. health or things like that. Um it uses all six buttons, the top three buttons of your Saturn controller control the bird. Right. Um, so he can do that, or else if you have enough power built up, he can do an attack where he kind of attacks the whole screen, kind of like a bomb in a shmup. Mm -hmm. um, or you can have him sit on your shoulder, which I'd never figure out why you do that, but you can do that. And then um, we're watching him fight here. Your, your moves are to simply jump or attack, but your attack can either be to um, grab somebody and throw them, 
If you jump in the air and attack, you kind of do this downward swipe with your fists yep. and attack them. Uh, if you press, I believe it was down and attack, you'll stomp the ground. It's a, it's a, it's a ground stomp that kind of freezes people in their tracks or whatever. Sometimes it'll, sometimes it'll destroy lesser enemies, but most time it just stuns them. Yep. And then um, the last one, which comes in handy later, which is interesting, if you press up and attack, he'll inhale, and when you let go, he blows a bunch of wind. Right, which... and you hit B to let that go. But okay. I, so here, here's my little story about this game. I booted it up, and I was like, hey, this, is, this looks great. Fantastic, beautiful game. Hard as nails. Couldn't get very far at all. Okay. Because I did not know you could do the ground strike. I did not even know you could do the breath attack. Okay. I had no idea. I didn't know about those. So I basically was playing the game without those, which, as you can imagine, is almost impossible to the do. First, I did play this game once in the past, just for a couple minutes, and okay. I did the same thing. I just ran through there. I'm like, what, you have to like, grab everybody? Yep. And that's what exactly what I was doing. I was grabbing everybody, <clears throat> and I'm like, this is the game. You're just throwing them. I was them. like, okay, it's a pretty game, but the mechanics suck, so I'm probably not going to get not do this. And so I, on a whim, I just went and got the PDF file. Who would have thought reading the instructions will help your like, understanding? Oh, that makes sense. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know you could control the bird. I didn't know you could do any. So once I got that, um, I got like, li listen, this game is still tough. And I read a little history online. Sega got this game and said it was too easy. <laughs> so they made them go back and make it harder. Okay. Um, but I, I was kind of proud of myself in this game. Once I understood the mechanics, I sat and I played with it one, I think one day for four hours and I got halfway through. Yeah. I got to cloud, sea of clouds. Yeah. I think I got to the same point. Yeah. So that was right after that fire one and it, it, um, it's more than halfway. So, and then right there, it start the, the difficulty does ramp. It, it ramps significantly and, and I, I couldn't get past it. But that's still a good three, four hours of play, which you get a lot. That's a lot for a platformer. So you only get one continue, I believe, or two continues in this game? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was one <clears throat> continue. So I played through it three times uh, to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And I definitely is one of those games, after you figure out how to beat certain things, you mm -hmm. can come back and do it easier. Yes. And get a lot further without having to use a continue. Right. So I do like that. Um, so it's not a pushover, but it's also not, I wouldn't say it's difficult. No, no. I wouldn't say it's like overly difficult until you get to the point where like a little over halfway through the whole game, it starts to ramp up really yeah. quite a bit. But it's also cool because, so these first few levels here, you kind of start outside in this gorgeous garden setting, mm -hmm. destroying these, and we don't have to go through every character here, but there's lots of like flying one-eyed bat things. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of little different uh, monsters that are crystal based or like big crystal monsters right. that pop out and they live in these crystals and you destroy them. I don't know. Um, we're at the first boss here right now, which is a large one-eyed, a large one-eyed bat thing. And you essentially just have to hit it four times. Um, the bass bottles are, boss battles are actually a lot of fun. They actually are. like, you kind of have to learn how, what they do and how to beat them. Almost feels like an NES style Contra or, um, yep. Castlevania type game. Yep. And right. I played this earlier in the month, so I don't remember. I played through all those bosses, but I do remember the one that was like the fire one. You had to blow on him and mm -hmm. he'd come apart or something or he'd detach. Yeah. From... Yeah. Yeah. His, his yeah. skeleton, this fire dragon, his skeleton would show and then you can punch it. Yep. Yep. You have to blow it out and then you can punch it. And then, and then he'd get back together and you have to do that several times to beat him. But I, so, so you have to learn that first before. Yep. So the, the it's a puzzle. It, 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 like the bosses are kind of like little mini puzzles that you have to figure out. 
the graphics have this really cool round look to them. Like everything mm-hmm. looks like kind of shiny and rounded. Yep. Um, what I like too is the level design. It's not just the same platform over and over again. Uh, it's kind of a beat em up the first few levels, then you fight this boss, and then it becomes um, more of a platformer. This next level here, where you're at kind of like the river, um, you have to like jump plat- platform to platform. You also have to learn how to attack enemies from the top, bounce off of them to get to the next enemy, the, the, bounce off them to get to the next platform. Yep, I was going to mention that was that you there comes the, there's these gaps that are too large to obviously jump like that one, and you have to just bounce on their heads, and you don't learn that until you just have to kind of figure it out. Yep, you're like, wait, how am I going to get over there? And you're like, oh wait, there's something I'm missing. Yep. Um, yeah. That part's pretty cool. And it looks gorgeous. It is interesting how big all the sprites are. That was one thing I was going to mention was that the, I mean, in this game in particular, that's pretty cool animation. Very smooth animation for such large sprites. This guy right here creeped me out every time. Did you see that guy? Yeah. He makes this weird noise. Um, it's almost like in in Battletoads when the Space Invader guys come to take your health. It kind of does this like... Doo, 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 yeah. doo, doo. It's this really like out of place noise. And there's this like golem thing with big hands that tries to grab you out of nowhere. Yeah. Creeps you out. Um, yeah, and then the next level here is completely different again. Again, the, the gameplay doesn't change, but the scenario does. Right. So in this game, you're on this creature floating on the water... And when you ground pound him, his neck shoots out and attacks enemies in front of you. But then later, uh, he wants to get like this fruit or something that's in front of him. Um, and so when you he, his neck goes out and pops you off his back, and so you shoot up in the air. So you kind of have to time when he shoots you up in the air, what enemies are coming. And then there's also these plants with these sharp like spikes on them that you have to try to either duck or jump over. Yep. Um, again, gameplay doesn't change, but the the concept of the game completely changes it's like the levels introduce new kind of puzzles to figure out yeah this is a really cool boss battle where you fight this uh giant plant with a long neck and you have to like attack its spores it shoots out and get rid of them while he tries to attack you but at the same time he'll come down you have to punch him you have to punch him when he when he when that little vine thing comes down i mean i don't know what his neck is it was a stem i guess stem from the flower this was a level that got a little harder it's a fire level here yeah, but um, I eventually figured it out. The blowing me- <laughs> mechanic obviously helped out quite a bit on this level. Yeah, you have to blow everything out. It's yeah. all flames it's all, all around. Flames, yep. Um, not the prettiest level for whatever reason. Right. Um, fire levels are usually just kind of red. Yeah, orange and red. And then yeah, here's the uh, this one got really hard because it's just mega small platforms. But this is that um, sky level that you and I both kind of stopped on i guess yeah this one was tough because i mean it really was hard to navigate the platforms i mean i fell more than died i'm more than died at the enemy hands i fell more off the platforms um so it's that kind of game but and then this boss if you look at it we we didn't get here but it's got this really cool cave effect going around in the background yeah it's like 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 3d tunnel cave thing yep very cool you can also even pick up large pieces of the scenery in some levels. Some of them, like... Meteorites in the fire level, meteorites are falling at you. Yep. And you can pick up a huge boulder and hold it over your head and slowly walk along the ground while the boulder takes all the hits. Yeah, and remember in the first level, you pick up a tree. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you, you chuck it. it. And you chuck it, and you can get, like, five or six enemies at one time from it. And that's a style. Yeah. A style. A beautiful a game. I mean, stale. it's really, really pretty. It's like a... Like if I was, if someone was like, "Hey, Sega Saturn," I mean, with the graphics much better on that, this is probably a game I'd show them. 
lots of really good looking 2D Saturn games. Yep. Almost all of them imports, though. This one did make it to America. Yeah. Or at least Europe. But yeah, I think America. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that version is very pricey. Yeah. I had the, the Japanese one, which is not as bad. So that is the style. Yeah. Now, did you know that there was another 32-bit Sega system, Eric? Kind of? <laughs> yes, I did know that. <laughs> kind of? <laughs> the Tower of Power. The Tower of Power. And that is the 32X. Yep. So you and I both played our a style game on the Saturn, our actual Saturn. That's right. I did. Now, I pulled out my 32X and got all the wires. Yep. And honestly, I did have to order another wire because I couldn't find one. Oh, uh, yeah, well, that's the real problem with it, right? Two but, power supplies, two, two cable, sets of cables. Oh, you know what? I take that back. I had to order a, a cable for the Saturn. Oh, okay. Because it was different than, it's pinned out differently, even though it's the same cable as the Genesis, it's pinned out differently. It is different, yeah. So I had to order that one, actually. Yeah. My 32X, I had everything. Yeah, my 32X um, is sitting in a box in my garage, and I pull it out every now and now and then. But it's got too many wires and stuff. Not to it. that hard. It's tough, so I don't. <laughs> um, I don't pull it out. In fact, um, I played it on my new little Genesis Mini. After I modded it, it plays 32x and and CD games just yeah. fine. So I played it there, which I have not done that mod yet. But yeah. So yeah, I've got the uh, Model Two here with the 32x shoved in the top of the Genesis Model Two. Yes. I've got a wire going between those, and so the 32x works literally by accessing the Genesis ports so that you can use Genesis pads. And then the backgrounds are still controlled, I believe, by the Genesis, but all the sprites are handled by the 32X, if I remember correctly. Some gives it enhanced sound. I thought there was a different sound. Was there a different sound chip in there, too? Don't believe so. Okay. But errata for next time, I'm sure. I have no idea. I don't remember. I, I I found my 32X in Davis, California. Like, it was in, an, in a comic book shop. There you go. He had a little shelf with just some retro stuff on it. And I looked, and then I was like, I, I, I've never seen a 32X locally anywhere. And yeah. I saw it, and uh, the price is right. So I grabbed it and, it, and it came with all the cables. So the 32X is, is, rare. is also interesting because, yeah, you need the cables. You need a second power supply. Yep. So luckily, it's the same as the Genesis, but you plug in two separate power supplies and plug in both units the Genesis and the 32X separately. Yeah. Um, the 32X is designed to go right into a Model 1, I believe. Mm-hmm. But if you have a Model 2 like I have, there's a little adapter plate it comes with so that it lays cleanly on the... I mean, it's still raised up. Of course. It doesn't yeah. look normal. <laughs> yeah. But at least it lays cleanly against the uh, Model 2 so that it physically is not straining. Um, so you need the Sega CD uh, add-on the little tray that yeah, the whole I need thing to com- sits in. complete the whole tower but yeah so yeah i pulled this out and played a bunch of other games too that i've never played um so I, i'm glad i got this out and yeah. set up so i could play a bunch of stuff but we played calibri yes we did which is a hummingbird game yep shmup flash puzzle slash adventure it, exactly i think i'd call it a shmup but it's it's got some neat twists so how would you describe this to the friendly people so Let's talk about uh, the mechanics first. You're you're a hummingbird. You're flying. Um, in fact, I should switch to my notes here. You, in the beginning, you don't have any weapons or anything. You're just flying around. You're kind of learning how to do things. And Did you know what to do the first level? No. I had to look it up. I'm like, I've been flying around for two minutes. I've seen everything. There's nothing going on. I didn't look it up, but I happened to... <laughs> 
<clears throat> accidentally take the nectar from that flower and then it it moved on. So I didn't look it up, but I, I it took me a while of flying around and figuring that out and going, well, this game kind of is dumb. But yeah, so you're it, flying around this like glen. Yep. And all your hummingbird quote unquote friends are not nice to you. And they're hogging all these flowers, getting all the nectar. So when you get near them, they physically push you away. Yep. Um, and there's like a frog that if you get near it, it'll eat you. It'll eat you and you're done. And then there's random like bees that want to attack you if yep. you get near their, their nest. So you're basically going around this glen like, what am I doing with my life? Yep. And you're questioning your, your individuality <laughs> and your purpose on this yep. earth as a hummingbird. One thing even from the first level, though, you can see the game is gorgeous, and it has a lot of parallax. Um, the There's a foreground and background, and your hummingbird is in this very lush, green, and beautiful world, and the hummingbird flies around, and once you drink the nectar, it moves on, and then in the game, you basically have um, the A button is your special, B button is your weapon, you fire your weapon. And the C is a burst of speed. And so there are different puzzle elements throughout different levels that require the, the burst of speed or specific weapons. But what you do is you there's these crystals you can hit that pump out these little bubbles that have different weapons. And when you grab I don't know if you And they're hard this. to differentiate at first. You yep. have to learn Yep. You have to learn what, what they do and what they are. And I don't know if you noticed this. I didn't notice it for a long while. In fact, I think I might have read the manual eventually. I downloaded it and figured this out. When you grab a weapon, your hummingbird changes color. Oh, I didn't notice and that. And he matches the weapon. Oh, so I didn't notice you, the yeah, color you change. you can see that. So, I did notice that if you grab three of the same weapon, you power up each time. Yep, that's right. Um, you can get up to three of the same. You just have to keep, keep catching the same one every time. You can't skip to another one. So some enemies, when you hit them, they release these bubbles that are the power-ups for weapons. But also there's these crystals that if you keep hitting the crystal, it just keeps pumping out the bubbles with the power-ups. And you can kind of select whatever weapon you want. And that, comes, that becomes key in certain levels because it's like a puzzle. You have to figure out what weapon's going to get you through that level. Some of them are like wall busters that you break walls down to get through. Um, some are, you know, designed to do different things in the level. So you just got to figure that out as you go. Um, and so it's worth noting that this game plays kind of like a shmup, but you don't scroll just left to right. You can go or up or down, left, yeah. right, up, down. There'll be different levels. Some levels are um, where you just need to go ahead and attack and scare away all the bees so that hummingbirds come back to the flowers. Yep. There's a type of level where you need to basically figure out what the puzzle is, which is essentially there's a couple walls and mm -hmm. you have to go find the wall busters, break through the walls and get to the end. And then there's a very more traditional left to right shmup where you are auto scrolling left to right. And you're just trying to get from the left side to the right side. Yep. Yep. And it kind of goes back and forth between all these different types of levels. And then there are also, like in some shmups, there are a power-up that gives you shields. It's, they call it a ring, I think. Yeah, the little random rings that are around. And you grab the ring, and it gives you, if you get hit, it's it takes the ring away. It but works it's... just like, we used to call it the Wong in Sonic. Okay. The Hedgehog, my buddy and I used to call yeah. it the Wong, because when you got that little circle, yeah. it would go, Wong. That's the sound effect, right? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it did. The first time you got hit, it just got rid of that barrier. Yep, and it's that's like one what, hit shield basically. And that's exactly what that is. You can see it in that picture right there. Um, let's see. Oh, you could. Some of the power ups are extra lives, and when you get an extra life, little hummingbirds fly around your hummingbird, 
And if you count those, it tells you how many lives you have. You notice that, right? Yep. So at any point, you can't tell how many lives you have That's unless right. you get hit. And you quickly, you'll see a bunch of humming, little hummingbirds fly around, and you have to count them real quick. You're like, oh, I'm down to three hits. That's right. And, oh, I'm down to one hit. And that's another interesting element of Calibri is that there's no score. There's no life meter. There's nothing on the screen but the hummingbird and, your, and the background and the enemies and stuff like that. So it's very... Uh, I mean, there's a few games like that, but that's that's just the way... It's it, unique. It's very unique, yeah. One thing that does kill me about this, mm-hmm. this game probably came out 10 years after Zelda... Yes. Why are games at this point not including a battery for saves? Yeah, that's true. Well, seriously. This one's password. It's it's password. It's a password save game. And that actually takes me... Astal kind of had a similar thing. There's no password save. That's right. And so to me, it still... Even though the game was gorgeous and it was fun, it still, even at that point, would feel outdated to me because... this I think why I like a lot of Super Nintendo games generally more than I like Sega games... Sega still had this arcade mentality where you start at the beginning, you play as far as you can, you die, you go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of Super Nintendo games, you would play, get some progress done, and you'd be able to save and mm-hmm. come back later and get some progress done and save. And the games were, felt larger and bigger and more grand because of it, even though the action is more exciting in a lot of these Sega games. Um, so I did appreciate about Calibri is that you can save mm-hmm. and come back and keep working at it. But it's a password save. Come on, throw a battery in that thing for a couple bucks. <laughs> That's true. Especially at this time level, because, I mean, by the time the 32X came by, there were a lot of games that had battery backups. Yeah, we were right here next to the Saturn and the PlayStation, which had memory cards for, for saves and things. That's right. Um, so I agree with you there. And, and again, modern, like... I won't play a game unless it has a save, uh, oh, yeah, a frequent yeah. save. I mean, it's just, it's too cumbersome for me. I get little windows of time to play, so I want to be able to save a game. Yep, absolutely. And password is hard. I mean, nowadays you can go look up all the password list if you wanted to. And this one was pretty easy to find. Um, but you're right. Gorgeous levels in this. You start, like yep. I said, in kind of this happy-go-lucky glen. Uh, you kind of go underground in these kind of watery cave areas. You pop up, and now you're in kind of a African desert with termite um, hills. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I, I, I mean, I've probably been through eight different biomes, Eric. I'm call biomes. them biomes. That's, from, uh, that's straight from Minecraft. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah, they call it yeah, the biome I just generator. remember it from like seventh grade science. But, that's right. Um, if you didn't research this already, this might click for you a little bit. This was made by the same company that makes Echo the Echo Dolphin. Echo the Dolphin, yeah. And it definitely has that vibe. Like, first of all, I do not enjoy playing Echo Dolphin games. I don't think I've ever played them. I love starting an Echo game and just playing with the physics and jumping because it has this really cool, flowy, natural, yeah. you feel like you're in the environment feel. Yeah. And this kind of does too. Um, but where Echo games become very just tedious and anger inducing i've heard that i enjoy the heck out of this game i like how the levels that are very hard and difficult you have to play over and over and over and over again you don't have you have infinite continues you can keep trying yeah you can try different things you can try different weapons and then when you finally beat it they're not crazy long levels so um you don't get like all the way through level and dying like shoot i have to go all the way back you're it, there once you figure it out you can figure it out yeah um I got very close to the end of this game from what I could tell online. And I'm going to go back and finish it. It's 
enjoyable. I don't think I got close to the end. I think I got probably about halfway through. Same as a, like a, on a, a stall. And now what was your favorite type of level? Um, I, I remember the waterfall one was, was a lot of fun. Uh, I played this earlier in the month, so I don't remember all that in too much detail. But I, I think the waterfall one was... I remember particularly enjoying that. But honestly, the first real level, not the demo level in the beginning, but the yeah. first real level... Where you're it, it scaring was, away the bees? Where you're scaring away the bees. It was just... I mean, I, my daughter walked in and looked at it and was like, oh, this looks really cool. you know. And that one was like kind of a laid-back you know, introduction game, but it was fun. And, yeah, just and the I, vibe of it. Just the vibe of that level. Uh, the waterfall one was was fun just because it was a little more challenging. Mm -hmm. Because you got to figure out that little way to get into the waterfall. Do you yeah. remember that part? Oh, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, yeah, I think so. Or the levels where you have the little things, I don't know if you got this far, where you shoot them, they kind of float off in the distance and then blow up. Yeah. So you kind of I, I yeah. kind of push them towards the walls and blow up the walls. Yep. I think that's where I... Where I ended. <laughs> yeah. Very cool game. Yes. Yes. I don't recall the music being great, but I remember being good atmosphere. No, I, th I, th I yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, it fit the game. Yep. Let's just say that. It fit the game. So, well, how would you define that? It's not a shmup. Well, I mean, there's shmup levels that are straight yeah. shmup levels. But for the most part, it's just kind of an action puzzler... I don't, know, I don't know how you describe it. You, yeah, you can't deny that it's a sh that it's. Let me look at this. I mean, it, you can't deny this is, that it's this a shmup. level right here is straight shmup. Yeah, um, so it's got I think a strong shmup element, but if you had to piece it out, it'd be like sixty percent shmup, maybe fifty. You know, thirty percent action puzzler. What's your favorite weapon? Oh man, I, I just like in 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 other shmups, I like the. Um, I don't like the one that's kind of the homing one, because it's a yeah. single shot homing one. Yep. I like the laser. The, I like the kind of the spray one. The there's the, like a one that'll eventually become three yes. shots, like a spray shot. Exactly. When as you power it up, it becomes three. That's probably my favorite. It depended on the level, of course. But of I kind of I kind of like the cave levels when you get the one that ricochets off of things. Yes. Yeah. And then you can power that up three times, so it just shoots three times as fast, and you got yeah. stuff ricocheting all over. Yep. The weapons are have cool sounds too. Yeah. They all have unique little sounds, and they sound pretty cool. They got that, that echoey kind of uh, Super Mario World echo sound yeah. to them that, that's pretty cool. Yep. So there's our two games. Mm -hmm. So the question is, Eric, who wins, the 32X or the Saturn? This is a tough This, this is a, a tough, tough one, one. But I need you to figure out what their rating scale is. Cause oh, we're gonna, okay. We'll start with Estal. Okay. Are, are they, they're going to have separate rating scales, huh? Separate ratings, and then we're going to find out who wins by that. Estal's going to be the Jewels. So how Makes many sense. jewels? How many family jewels? How many family jewels? Okay, exactly. And it has to be more than two, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Hey oh. Um. So we're gonna pick out of twenty-four. Out of twenty-four family jewels. Family jewels, which I just got the number from that screen there. That works. Um, twenty-four family jewels. What are you gonna give? Um. What are you gonna give it? A stall. A stall. I really enjoyed the game. I probably would go back and play it. It does drive me nuts that you have to start from the beginning, beginning every time. Yes, that is my chief That's complaint. My chief complaint as well. Out of 24, I'm going to give it 17 and a half family okay. jewels. Don't ask me how you get a half a family jewel. Yeah, But, I'm gonna, but I can. I'm going to give it a little higher. I'm, I'm going to give it 19. 
19 out of 24. All right. All right. So we got our baseline. Yeah, so, yeah, the next one has to be 24. So we're going to do Calibri. Okay. Which um, I'm going to give, uh, let's see, 24. Oh, man. Nectar plants. I was, I was going to say that, but I wanted to <laughs> think of a better name for that. Um, sure. 24 nectar plants or flowers. Nectar or whatever. It should have been out of 1,000 hummingbird heartbeats. That's right. Per second. So let's say 24 out of 24. So so that way we can compare the two games genuinely. genuinely. You're waiting for me to go first? Uh, if you want me to go first, I will. Go first. Okay, so I picked 19 for a stall. So I think I'm going to give Calibri... I think I'm going to give it 18. Ooh. Yep. I think I'm going to give it 18. I okay. liked it. I really liked yeah, it. That's a good score. Uh, but I'm going to give it 18. Give the nod to a stall for me. For me, I like the fact that you can keep going and work more and more at the game. Mm -hmm. I found it more interesting. I like that you it was a little more hard, but at the same time, you got repeat chances to beat those hard parts. Yes. Um, it did get a little floaty at points. The, the gameplay was a little floaty, which could be kind of annoying. Mm -hmm. But it's just more interesting. Okay. So out of 24, I'm going to give... This nineteen. Oh wow! So we do have a I think battle it's, it's assistance. A tie. It's a it's a flip flop it's tie. A flip flop. I think it's a tie. I All would right. I would rather go back and play Calibri. Okay. But I'll probably play both. How, how un-American a tie! I know, right? We don't like ties here in we America. Don't, we don't do tie. All right. How are we going to do the kickoff? How are we going to do the, <laughs> the shootout? I say we should we do the shootout based on uh, whether it can save or not. Cool, Calibri won. Let me ask you this. Which game did you play more? How many hours did you put into each one? Or I know I know you're not going to know the exact hours, but I mean, which one do you feel you played more? I think Calibri. See, I think I played a stall more because once I figured out the mechanics and got and read the manual, I was a lot more interested in it, and I I was kind of happy that I was doing well in a game that is. If you read online, it's notoriously said it's. They say it's difficult. Oh, really. Yeah, they okay. say that as, with the further elements, it's or further levels, it's it can get much more difficult. See, I think that's where my issue is is not the difficulty, but the fact that to get further, you have to play all the easy stuff again and again and again. Mm -hmm. That's and true. That's enough to drop it below Calibri. That's fair. That's a fair complaint. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, and like I said, I, I like both of them. I think I'll come back to both of them. And that is a battle of the systems. Yes. And that is an episode of Pixel Guidance. What? Hey. Thank you. Thank you. I agree. We are amazing and we entertained the <laughs> crap out of y'all. That was some entertainment. All right. I think so. Um, next episode of Pixel Guided will be coming out on the 28th of February, my birthday. Ooh. Since it's a short month. Wow. It's my birthday, yes. Um, You're one day short of being the leap year, baby. Uh, or you only have one a day birthday. and a couple years. But yeah. yeah. So if you guys want to send presents, my address is... No. Um, <laughs> Cash. <laughs> in our next episode, we have a Patreon interview with Matthew Ackerman. Yes. The Hold on. Let me go back to the uh, my notes here. Who, what, what was he driving? Gravedigger. Oh, yeah. He was... But he was motionless, but that's perfect because... <laughs> you don't want to be... If he's Gravedigger, he's dead. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I look forward to hearing that. 
Yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Matt for uh, sending us some some cool reviews. Uh, I want him to try to find a way to get this published and so that we can tell everybody about them. Yeah. Um, they just were kind of a little too long for what we're trying to do. Now, we're trying to shorten the show up a little bit here. Um, uh, also, we are going to be doing our catching up segment with Tim. Yes, that should be exciting. So and gonna... if, I, if I, the rumors are true, mm. we have a box to open from him. That is exciting news. That is. I always look forward to it. It's like Christmas. He, I also want to hear uh, his last box. He consumed most of, most of the stuff we gave him. I want to hear about that. So yeah. I want to hear how that goes as well. So that's going to be exciting. Um, and I think you and I both did a bunch of cool stuff and catching up. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I did a couple of nice little projects. Very cool. Anything else you want to tell the nice people out there before we go? I don't think so. I think that's it. Well, then all we have left to say is it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>